A couple days ago, there were a bunch of conservatives, Trump supporters, typically a right wing group of, of protesters in Oregon. The governor had convened a meeting. I believe it was the governor, but it was at, at, at the state capitol building. And these, this right wing group came out because they have a legal right to attend a public hearing. We do. We are a government for, of, and by the people. So if there's going to be a public hearing, you walk in the building and you listen to what they're saying. Most people don't know this too. You can go to, you can go to DC. You can go into the, the Capitol, but like the Congress uh, building, the Senate buildings. You can walk around and walk into a congressperson's office. You just open the door and walk right in. Well, these Trump supporters, these conservatives, they show up. And what ends up happening? There is a row of police telling them they can't actually come in. At some point, I guess chaos ensued. And the most interesting thing about all of it was that the Trump supporting group, someone in this group, bear maced the cops. Now, that's something you don't even really see all that often from Antifa. And so this story is from a couple days ago, and I just find it absolutely fascinating with everything that's going on. And more importantly, that we have this coronavirus spending bill, $900 billion. The total omnibus spending bill was like 2.3, which included this. And it's famously providing $10 million to Pakistan for gender programs. That's exactly what the American people have been begging for with where their tax dollars would go in an unprecedented crisis where their businesses have been completely and totally destroyed. And that's why I'm bringing these two stories together and bringing up this, this protest from the past few days. To see right-wing groups attack police in any capacity tells you that the wick or the, the line of powder leading to that powder keg has been lit and conservatives aren't going to be taking all that much longer. Seeing Trump supporters start criticizing police and mock them instead of defend them when they when you hear defund the police. Well, that's interesting. The establishment needed at least that level of support from Trump supporters. So we're going to talk about all this. We'll talk about uh, a lot of stuff going on with the COVID hypocrisy. Dr. Burks retiring because she's violating her own lockdowns. It is hypocrisy all the way down. We have an awesome guest, Sean Parnell's hanging out. Do you want to explain? Some, some, <laughs> people, some people are listening, so they can't hear, they can't see you. Oh, I thought there was like a camera and stuff. Yeah, and people were looking. Well, yeah. well I'm, I'm here. I'm excited to be here. You know I'm excited to be here. Definitely, definitely. I've been watching your journey. You know, and, and watching with, your with show. Verizon trying to get the internet hooked up. Yeah, that's been a saga <laughs> in and of itself, right? But been impossible. Yeah, we live in we live in very very strange times. Uh, you know, the the attacks in in Oregon were something that we haven't seen before. Uh, you know, Tim, we we were talking a little bit before the show. I feel. I feel bad for for the police because I feel like they've been put in an impossible situation. Uh, you know, the, the police in Pennsylvania, though, uh, one of the things that that I've been advocating for uh, for for quite some time now, uh, and I say it over and over when I'm out, is that government derives its power from the consent of the governed. Yep. And what I've been saying uh, both publicly and on social media for for some time now is that we simply need to disobey these unconstitutional lockdowns. In other words, keep your small business open. Nonviolent uh, civil disobedience. Keep your restaurant open. And if you're a police officer that finds yourself in a tough position, uh, and boy, anytime they put a gun on their hip and they wear a badge, they wear that badge on their chest. Anytime they leave their family, they put themselves out there for us every day and they deserve our gratitude for that. But if you're, if, if you're a cop and you're putting in a tough position to shut down a small business or close a restaurant, simply don't obey in unconstitutional order. Indeed, when you're in the military, you know, people think that soldiers just obey every command that's given down to them. No, you, we have a duty and obligation to disobey orders that are not moral. 
yeah. right? Or that violate the Constitution. And so what, what I've been calling for in Pennsylvania is civil disobedience from small businesses and restaurants and the police, you know, state troopers, sheriffs, uh, local municipal cops just simply disobey unconstitutional orders. And all of this ends tomorrow. Just done. And so, but Tim, this does not mean that we're not going to take this, that COVID seriously. This does not mean that we're not going to follow CDC guidelines. This does not mean that we're not going to protect the vulnerable. No, no, not that. What I'm talking about is entirely separate. What I, I, I believe that we should trust people. Uh, we, sh- we should put faith and trust in people to assess what level of risk yep. is tolerable for them, right? Well, and, and respect their individual rights. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we, we are not a country of kings or of a king. We, this was a country founded upon the idea that the individual would choose what's best and their rights must be respected. Absolutely. But, but, uh, for, uh, for those that don't know who Sean is... Uh, how would you describe yourself? Uh, you're a politician. You're a. You're oh, a- <laughs> don't say that about me. Don't say that. About- oh man, every, every every time someone calls me a politician, I throw up in my mouth a little bit. But um, yeah, but no, you ran for office, so you're a politician. I did. I'm I just did. messing with you. Yeah, I ran. I ran for office, even though it wasn't my idea. Uh, President Trump called me out randomly at a speech in Western Pennsylvania to run. Before that, I was uh, doing charity work. I, I, I was a small part of a charity that gives service dogs to, to veterans who come home from war. Uh, poured myself into that. Did, did 35 to 50 public events a year all over the country, giving away dogs. Uh, and it's kind of an amazing thing to behold because dogs really do provide tangible healing value to people oh, yeah. who have suffered greatly from PTSD uh, whether it's in the military or, or in other remember, places. remember that guy you were talking about? He uh, he was a journalist and he went to a range and he fired, yes. he fired the AR-15 and then claimed yeah. he got PTSD. PTSD Maybe yeah. we should get him like a pug or a Yorkshire Terrier or something. Some little small really lap small. dog, a Pomeranian, yeah. make him feel better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna put him on the list. We're gonna yeah, put, yeah. We, we have we have to put him on the list. Get him uh, a dog. And so, but I also I also write uh, I write books, I write stories, and before I before I. Um, uh, jumped into politics and this this crazy war that we're in, political war that we're in. I I was in Hollywood trying to sell screenplays and wow. stories for for books. I mean, and so uh, I was medically retired. Well, good luck now. Yeah, <laughs> he ran as a Republican. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. You know, there are good there are good people in Hollywood. There are there are good producers, there are good writers that that sort of believe the same things that we do. Uh, and before any of that, before I was I was an infantryman in the army. Uh, went to Ranger School, went to Airborne School, uh, and then went to Afghanistan for 16 months of heavy combat. Wow. So longest combat deployment in global war and terror history. Uh, where 85 percent of my men were wounded, some twice. I think one dude was wounded three times. Six of my troops weren't even citizens of this country uh, wow. when they served. Northerners serving next to Southerners, black next to white, Christians next to atheists. I mean, we had we were the most diverse infantry platoon that you could possibly imagine. And it was my job as a 24-year-old kid to sort of be the platoon leader, even though uh, as a platoon leader, you're not really in charge of anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had non-commissioned officers and soldiers who were probably 30, 30 years old, 40 years old, who had a heck of a lot more experience than I did. Um, some of whom had multiple combat deployments. So what I tried to do as a young leader was just, you know, show up at my unit. You know, I had, I had the cool, sexy schools that the army required of a position of platoon leader in light infantry, but just have big eyes, big ears, be humble, self-effacing, and just listen to those experienced non-commissioned officers who are the real door kickers, uh, in combat and let them teach coach and mentor me on what they thought was uh, a servant leader. And so that's sort of been what I've been doing my entire I think adult life. And one, I don't know if you wanted an answer as in depth as that. that was very but I, basically, great, yeah. I basically gave you the whole 
my whole life story. I, one, one thing I've said often is that probably the biggest factor, if I'm looking at a politician to vote for, is if they served in the military and whatever branch, should, you know, some kind of service. That's surprised. You, you, really, that's that's important to you? Absolutely. And even as somebody who grew up in Chicago, uh, yeah, I, I think growing up in Chicago actually brought me to that. But I come from a, a military family for the most part. You know, I didn't my, know my, that. my dad was a Marine. My grandpa was a Marine, World War II. He trained dogs. Uh, my brother was in the Army. My sister, you know, we, her, she married somebody in the Army. That was a while ago, though. Tim, do you want to know why I think it's important for, you know, I, I look at, you know, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, independent, if you've served in the military, it means that you, at some point in time in your life, you put your country before yourself, you put your country before your family, you put your country before uh, your own life or making a buck. Uh, and something about that, the idea of putting your country first. Not for money either. Not for money. Yep. No, I mean, not That's for money. You put your country first. You take that oath. And again, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, the hope is, is that, you know, should you win some political office and you find yourself in Washington, that you can work with the other side. You can put your country first and do what's best on behalf of the people, which is why this, you know, this COVID, this COVID relief bill, I think was just, it just did such a disservice. I have issues with this bill on a, let's, on a, let's, we'll, we'll save it because we're, we're supposed to be just doing the intro, but it was getting good. <laughs> I don't so. know. I don't. I don't know how you, uh, the show. Oh, is but we're having fun. I, I just like let me let me let me let me, let me say and one I thing drank, too. I've drank so, a lot of these things too because we're we're supposed to mention you know Ian and Lydia are here as well. Ian's yes, here hello. As well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'll just say one thing. There, there's there's two important things I think about. Uh, well, there, I'll say there's three things why I think military service is probably the best thing. If you had, if I had two people and one person you know and they're both running and one at military service, I'd probably vote for them. You know, so there's three things. First and foremost, especially if you have combat experience, but regardless, you have basic training. You've you, you've you've toughened up. You've exercised. You've taken you know, yourself seriously. The the second thing is not everybody who joins the military is doing it for some noble cause. Because you know I I briefly uh, lived on a military base. My sister was living on Fort Carson in Colorado, and so I met a lot of people who are like I needed a job. You know what I mean? But there are a lot of people who are like I wanted to do something something bigger than myself. I wanted to help. I want to be you know help my country, help my people. And they're not doing it to try and get rich because you're not going to get rich doing it. But I'll tell you what one of the best things is, too, is you probably have a disdain for, bu for bureaucracy after getting out. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and in fact, in fact, uh, I, I personally believe one of the, the main responsibilities of a leader in, in garrison before you go to war is to be sort of like a filter, like of the bureaucracy. The bureaucracy yeah. is going to pour a lot of stuff on you. And your job as a leader is to filter out what matters, make sure that your troops can focus oh, yeah. on the mission and training on whatever weapon system that they have or whatever duty position that they have. It's interesting, like why I why I joined the military is, you know, I don't come from a long line of you know, military leaders or military members in my family. I was a sophomore in college and elementary education at Clarion University, which is a uh, small uh, university in Western Pennsylvania and elementary education major. Right. Uh, mm. did, but didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I was like most sophomores in college and that I just, you know, I wasn't sure that maybe being in a classroom with kids eight hours a day for the rest of my life was really what I wanted to do, even though I knew I wanted to serve in some way, give back to the community. Yeah. And I remember having a conversation with my roommates thinking like, well, my God, like our, like our generation at the time, we didn't really like have a moment, right? Like you had like the cold war before us and you had con you know, contingency operations in Panama and then you had desert storm. But like our generation was really a golden age, you know, a post Clinton era of a balanced budget where Democrats and Republicans work together. Like we didn't really want for anything growing up from as a kid, even though I was from a middle-class family and my parents lived paycheck to paycheck. I mean, I had a pretty good, 
carefree life. And I had, I remember having this discussion with my roommates and then we had this big party over the weekend. And I remember waking up on my, on this rundown college couch one day surrounded by Iron City beer cans. I feel like we had come off the bender of a lifetime <laughs> and there were like cigarette butts out all around us and stuff. And I remember sitting up and the world was spinning. I had this hangover of a lifetime and I remember staggering over to the television set and turning it on and watching it flicker to life just in time to see an airplane crash into the World Whoa. Trade Centers. And, you know, I, I feel like in that moment, my life was just, I mean, I just remember staggering a few steps back and sitting on that rundown couch, just transfixed to that television set of just images of just raw horror of innocent Americans dying on live television. Yeah. I remember watching people tumble from those towers and land on the sidewalk. Or people who were lucky enough to survive that fateful day stagger out of that wreckage covered the firefighters who yes. ran into the building. That, and that was it, yeah. Tim. That was what did it for me is watching how the first responders reacted. The police officers, firefighters are just ordinary American citizens with no training whatsoever run into the flames instead of running away from them. Yep. And I remember thinking as a college kid, how can I sit here and do nothing when ordinary American citizens are giving everything uh, for people that they didn't know? And you know, anybody that lived through that day knows that most people who ran into those towers that day to save people never came out again with their life. Yep. And, and that was it. I mean, two days later, I was down at the recruiter's office, told him I want to join the infantry and not just that, go to airborne school and not just wow. that, go to ranger school. And, um, and then I went home to talk to my parents about the decision. <laughs> it was kind of, it's kind of crazy. And I remember getting in this big argument with my, with my father. Um, and he, as we were driving back to Clarion, it was like a 45 minute drive back to, to the university. And he was like trying to convince me, look, you got two years left of school, just stay in school, go in as an officer. And at the time, I mean, I didn't know the difference between, yeah. you know, it's good advice uh, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know the difference between a non-commissioned officer enlisted versus officer. And I mean, I was arguing cause I wanted to get in the fight right now. We had just been attacked. And I remember like my, my dad was just relentless. And I remember um, I remember looking at my dad and I, I remember saying to him, you know, you know, dad, you know, what the heck have you ever done to be proud of in your life? I just want to serve my country. And he didn't say anything in return. And I was like, Oh, I really know I crossed the line here and the car just got quiet for about 10 minutes. And my dad then looked at me and he goes, well, I have four things that I'm proud of every day. You know, you, you're younger sister and your two younger brothers. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> I really screwed up, you know? Um, and so I took his advice, stayed in as an officer, uh, or stayed in college, came out as an officer and, uh, graduated from college in 2004, Duquesne university in the heart of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and was immediate active duty and just got thrown into the fray. You know, wow. two years later, I was in Afghanistan college kid to combat veteran in two years. Wow. And as a commissioned officer though, as a commissioned officer, brand new second lieutenant, uh, went to my officer basic course, went to airborne school, went to ranger school. Ranger school was absolute hell. Um, I failed the first time through, but begged the brigade commander to let me stay, who tried to kick me out. He's like, wow. you're, you're out here, ranger. And I'm like, I ain't going anywhere, sir. No, seriously, ranger, pack your stuff and get out of here. I'm like, no, seriously, sir, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> so he let me stay in these barracks for three weeks and wait for the next class to start. Ranger school is divided into three phases, like the mm -hmm. Georgia phase, the mountain phase, and the swamp phase in Florida. All of them are horrible. <laughs> I went into ranger school 225 pounds, running six-minute and 30-second miles, the best shape of my life. 
I came out of ranger school 160 pounds. Wow. Because you're marching probably 20 miles a day. You're not sleeping. They've got to give you three hours of sleep a night, but it doesn't have to be concurrent. So it'd be five minutes here, five minutes there. And you, you just Man. don't eat. Yeah. You just don't eat. It's, 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 it's absolutely horrible. And it's supposed to be the school is meant to train you on small unit tactics under extreme duress. So can you lead while you're starving and have, and have no sleep? By the end of that school... What, feel, I mean, feel free to come over here when the apocalypse starts. We got, we got food. <laughs> you, we'll, I'll hey, defer to you. You tell me what to do. Tim, I, 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 well, first of all, of course, I, I, I'll do that in a second. <laughs> uh, yeah. This place is sweet. But I, I was not. T- I mean, I relied on my ranger buddies to get me through. I mean, we, we all – I mean, they have this cool – they have this thing at the end of every phase, at the end of the Georgia phase, which is sort of like where they – the rap ranger assessment phase, which is like like – Similar to Navy SEAL, like Hell Week, you know, where they mm. put you through that and like they put you through all these sorts of assessments like drown proofing, you know, five mile run, PT test, the Malvesti pit, which is like just like it was just miserable. And at the end of that, you do a 20 mile. They, they call it the, the March of Unknown. It's like sort of a March of Unknown Distance. You just march to Darby. But the reality is they just march you forever. Yeah. And you arrive. I mean, it's funny because like it, I think that what that teaches you is that you march until you're done. Yeah. Like a lot of people will be like, okay, we're going to be done at 10 miles. Oh, no, we're not. Oh, it's just one more mile. And we'll be done at 15 miles. We're not going to march us past 15 miles. Yeah. And then you get to 15 miles and you go to 16 miles. And so you'd be surprised how your mind plays tricks on you and people just quit when they don't know when you're going to finish. And I yep. think what that teaches you is you just go until the mission is complete. And so I think at the end of ranger assessment phase, I think we marched 20 miles into Darby where you do all the patrols. But anyway, by the end of ranger school – People are so tired and so starving that they hallucinate. You see people in the middle of the night, like trying to like buy cans of pop from trees and stuff. And like, it's <laughs> wow, crazy, man. But I made it through that 160 pounds um, and went up to the Fort Drum, the 10th Mountain Division in Watertown, New York, and spent six, six and a half years in the military. I think four or five up at Fort Drum and 485 days, 16 months of heavy combat along the Afghan-Pakistan border. Wow. Where our mission in 2006 was find Osama bin Laden. That was it. We looked for him for 16 months. We didn't find him, uh, but we found <laughs> we found a lot of bad guys, a lot of bad guys. In fact, thousands of, of enemy troops. And we fought against a global jihadist all-star team of whether it was Akani Network troops, uh, Al-Qaeda, Taliban, Hekmatyar. Uh, we, were, we fought against all of them and took an 85% casualty rate, uh, as, like I said. And I think we killed 350 enemy insurgents but we didn't hurt one single civilian or and we did a lot of good things for the afghan people built schools wells humanitarian assistance uh we really did care a lot about the afghan people there but we which, did which is an actual uh, i don't want to cut you off though no no of course but it's yeah. a good segue into the covid bill the things they're spending money on at a time of crisis yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i mean you mentioned building schools and stuff in afghanistan yeah, yeah I, that's that's that is amazing i have i have a lot of respect for that at right now i wonder why it is would we focus on things like that? Well, I mean, this COVID bill, I tried to jump to this a little bit too early in the intro of your show, but um, I have a lot of issues with this COVID bill on a number of different levels, one of which is a process issue, right? Like the idea that a 5,300-page bill is given to Congress with, what, three or four hours to read before they actually vote on the bill. I got a huge problem with that, right? Um, it's, 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 I would say... We should all have more than a problem with it. That they are telling us, screaming in our faces on every TV channel and every newspaper, the system is broken. We know it's broken, and we don't care. Because even 
AOC and Josh Hawley, I criticized them earlier, and, and, and I'll defend them in a second, but listen. They both tweeted about how this was awful. They're doing this 5,543 or whatever pages with only a couple hours to read it, and they voted for it. Yeah. So if you're going to speak out against it, come on, vote no like Rand Paul did, like Ted Cruz did. Like, uh, you know, it, I think it was like 65 or more Republicans. Only two Democrats voted no, and it was Tulsi Gabbard and Rashida Tlaib. Now, in their defense, at least they spoke up against it. Hundreds of other members of Congress voted for a ridiculous omnibus $2.3 trillion garbage bill that includes things like this. This is from the Foundation for Economic Education. $10 million for gender programs in Pakistan. Wonderful. Yes. That's exactly what the American people have been begging for. They've been coming together and rising up. These conservative protesters in Oregon, I know what they were really saying. Kate Brown, we want gender diversity uh. programs in Pakistan. <laughs> Ten million dollars. I know it's not going to change the change change the face of the country. It's it's uh, this, this is this is the this is my next look. So here's the deal, right? The American people for a, the better part of a year have gone bankrupt, have seen their small businesses close in Western Pennsylvania and my district. I've seen food lines every single week. Thousands of people are struggling to put food on the table for their families. The American people are hurting, and optically. This is what you do at a time when the American people are hurting, when they're desperate for relief. Not only do you give them 600 bucks. And by the way, like to anybody that's, that's watching right now, if you take the, just the, the $900 billion plus COVID relief, right? And you just do the quick math, uh, 330 million people, that's 2,700 bucks for every man, woman, and child in America, right? They could have given us 2,700 bucks. Now, instead of doing that, the government took from every man, woman, and child in America and gave you $600 back. It would be like, said, Merry Christmas. That's unacceptable in every way. It would be like if I robbed you at gunpoint, took your wallet, took all your cash out, and then said, Here's 20 bucks. And you went, Awesome. Thank you so much. Right. And so, to, to, to your point of, Building schools for Afghan children is amazing. Teaching little girls to read in Afghanistan is great because we want to make sure that we shape that next generation, but do it in a different bill. Timing and optics are important. Like you're looking at $700 million for Sudan, $1.4 billion to the Asia Reassurance Initiative Act, which again, the Asia Reassurance Initiative Act, I don't have a problem with really what it, what it basically is, is it funds counterinsurgency in Asia, basically keeps an eye on China. I got no issues with that, but don't put it in a COVID relief bill. The problem with these omnibus spending bills, right, is that Congress doesn't read them. They don't have enough time to read them. And because our representatives, the people that we send to Washington to do our work for us and look out for us, the people don't know what's in them either. And nobody does. And and here's omnibus spending bills only get bigger. They yep. don't get smaller, which is why our debt in the last 10 years has gone from $11 trillion to $27 trillion. Now, the, now the debt to, uh, to GDP ratio is a scarier thing. 128%, right? Yeah, it's, so it's we're, we're generating massive debt and we're producing nothing, and that is how you kill economies. This is this, that's how you kill economies. This is a national security issue, and this will become probably the greatest leadership challenge of of our time and you know I, I am gravely concerned with with the amount of debt that we're racking up in this country and bills like this don't help trying to explain it to people is it's it's it, it's it's such a genius move on the part of the criminal mask wearing bandits who just ripped us off to, ba- to, to quote the babylon <laughs> b yeah yeah because what they've done is they've found a way to extract the, the, the value of labor from the working class in a way they don't notice. 
So I, I have, I have, you know, there's, there's like this one guy I know I was arguing with, and he's like, why are they only giving us six hundred dollars? And I was like, no, they're not giving you six hundred dollars, bro. They're they're taking twenty seven hundred and giving you six hundred back. Six hundred back, yeah. And you and and they don't understand. Like, what do you mean? They're writing me a check. I'm getting money. Listen, they they they've printed thirty five percent of all U.S. dollars in in circulation have print, pr- printed in the last ten months. So that's all happening right mm. now. And that dilutes your buying power. It basically is a blanket wage reduction. But it's smart. A working class person get 10 bucks an hour. Like, or, you know, a person barely, depending on how many hours they work, could be in poverty levels. They get 10 bucks an hour and they're saying, I want 15. I want 15 bucks an hour. And then they do something like this. That, that 10 bucks an hour can now buy you $7 worth of groceries from the year before. <laughs> and they don't realize. They think, well, I'm still getting the same rate. I had, I'll tell you this, man. I was shopping on Amazon and I, I was buying a tablet. And so I clicked it and it went into my shopping cart. And then something happened. I forgot about it. A day or so later, I opened up Amazon again and it said price changes in your cart. The tablet went from 500 to $650. That's, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. People don't get it. For a working class person, for somebody who's making 10, 15 bucks an hour, that could be a, another week they have to work. Another week to get the tablet so they could do the job. And if you if you can't get access to tools like that, I mean, I'll tell you, if you get a good phone, a good smartphone, you can make good YouTube videos. You can start a career. You can start a podcast. If you can get the if if you can get some basic, you know, cheap cheap equipment. I started doing everything I was doing with just a cell phone, not very good one either, just like a basic smartphone. I saved up and I bought it. Imagine if before I was able to buy it, this crisis happened. And then I go into the store and I'm like, I finally saved up the 300 bucks for the phone. And they go, it's 450 now. I would have been like, eh, I guess no phone for me. Then I wouldn't have started live streaming. Then I wouldn't have started building up this company and then it wouldn't even happen for me. You know what I mean? So there, there, there is a certain uh, degree of having to earn and save to invest in yourself, invest in a business. They're extracting the buying power from the working class. Rich people are going to be fine. Rich people can buy stocks. I mean, I'm telling you, man, if, if you bought Amazon stock, if you bought Bitcoin, you're you're sitting back and you're laughing at all this. Well, I mean, what what concerns me is that six hundred dollars is I feel like insulting, you know. And and what's more is that Nancy Pelosi was was given a better deal nine what six months ago, but sat on it. The Democrats in Congress sat on it, did nothing with it because well, she, she wanted to score cheap political points against the president. Didn't want to give him an economic win before November third. So what? What the Democrats and look, but, I, but, but but come on, Sean. Could you imagine if Donald Trump would have won? I mean, the nightmare of this Cheeto fascist winning. The American people gladly uh, forewent or <laughs> this 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 uh, twelve hundred dollar stimulus package in October because they knew it was for the greater good, right? Defeating Donald Trump. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, I mean, I'm telling you, I, I see this. I see this pain in, in Pennsylvania every single day. I mean, I, these people, I, I reach out to them. I, they call me on my cell phone. I, I'm, you know, like I said, I, I, I've tried to lead on this issue and be there for them through this time of crisis. And again, not just for Republicans, but for Democrats, too. But to be clear, the Democrats in the House of Representatives sat on COVID relief because they didn't want to give President that's Trump right. an economic victory before November 3rd. The I, reason I was, why I that was, is important, Tim, is they made the political calculation that, yes, the American people are going to have to suffer. Even people that are Democrats that will likely vote for us, they're going to have to suffer for the next six months 
so that we can beat Donald Trump. And, I find that and I was joking, I of course. Perfect. I know, I, I know, I know. <laughs> Some I just, people might not realize, but uh, think about that. The Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, held the American people hostage. And here's what I love. I, I, I love hearing this from these just like urban leftist types. I call like you know what? I want to try and differentiate between the actual economic left who do pay attention to politics. And maybe we have disagreements on policy, but there's political commentators. They, 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 they know a decent amount of their stuff. Maybe we think they don't know as much or, or whatever. But you have these like low information resistance type Democrats that they're, they're not particularly politically active. And they're complaining. They're saying, but Nancy Pelosi passed her bill earlier this year and, and McConnell wouldn't approve of it. And it's like, what was in that bill? Well, that that was that bill was the same problem we're seeing with this garbage omnibus. They put a bunch of trash in it, Do you knowing know the Republicans could not allow it to pass. Well, well, of course, you know what the major sticking point in what Nancy Pelosi's bill was is she wanted bailouts for for poorly run radical liberal cities. So, oh, but she wanted to get rid of voter. Uh, uh, she wanted to to get rid of voter ID laws. Well, in yeah, that, that was all crammed like, in there too. But, nonsensical things but, but to put here, in a relief bill. What I, what I told people in Pennsylvania and, and in my district and and. My opponent at the time was a big proponent of taking taxpayer dollars from the people of Pennsylvania and bailing out a city like Portland that had already <laughs> defunded their police and let their city burn for six months. It's immoral to yep. take our tax dollars from hardworking people in Western Pennsylvania who are already struggling to bail out poorly run liberal cities. That's the major sticking or, point. Or how about to fund gender diversity programs in, in Pakistan. Pakistan. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> yes. I, I mean, so yes, optically we're back to the, to the COVID bill. It, it was an, it's an absolute disaster. Um, and uh, my fear is, is, is that problems like this are only going to get worse. And the point that I was making before this is that it's looking like, look, I, I don't know what the future holds. And you know, that, uh, I'm, I'm a supporter of President Trump. Uh, I've talked to the president on multiple occasions. I'm always going to fight for the people of this country. I, I, I believe uh, uh, in, in President Trump. Uh, and But it's amazing now that some of the more you know, career politicians in Washington, they see the writing on the wall. They see President Trump that maybe in January, you know, you've got a guy like Joe Biden that that likely be sworn in as president yeah did you see with this bill how fast the swamp on both sides of the aisle went back to being the swamp oh yeah right we didn't see irresponsible spending bills like this in the news for four years under president trump now don't get me wrong this is one of the areas where i disagree with the president a lot is is his spending he spends yeah, a lot more than i'm comfortable with and so I, I i disagree with him on a lot on deficit spending and things like that but i would also argue that in the middle of a crisis and a pandemic once a hundred year pandemic that this the times like this are precisely meant for deficit spending but but my my point is the swamp has gone back to being the swamp in record time so i i, I remember uh talking to uh, some family earlier this year and they were saying, you, you always rag on Democrats. All you do is Democrats this, Democrats that. And I'm like, I, I criticize Republicans, admittedly. You do. Much less than I criticize Democrats. And I'm going to show everybody listening exactly why I am right. <laughs> I have here from GovTrack.us, HR 133 Consolidated Appropriations Act 2021, including coronavirus stimulus and relief. We can see in the Senate, 46 Democrats vote yay. Two independents, which caucus, who caucus with the Democrats, vote yay. 44 Republicans vote yay. But what's this? 
six Republicans uh, voted nay and two Republicans abstained. At least we have them. And I'll give a shout out to Rick Scott, Rand Paul, Marsha Blackburn, Ted Cruz, Mike Lee, and Ron Johnson. Now, those politicians are not far from perfect. You can criticize them for a bunch of different things. But at least they have the political willpower to say, I'm not signing this thing. And it gets better. It gets better. We jump over to the House vote, H.R. 133. And once again, we have 128 Republicans, yay. 230 Democrats, yay. One independent, yay. We have 50 Republicans, nay, rejecting this. 17 Republicans abstain. Gross fine, guys, say no. And then only two Democrats actually voted against this. Of all of Congress, we ended up with 56 Republicans saying no. And what was the, what was the, uh, let's, let's pull this back up and get the uh, abstaining. We had two ab- uh, abstentions. So 19 Republicans abstained from the vote and only two Democrats. And it was Tulsi Gabbard, who I'm a big fan of and have praised, and Rashida Tlaib, who I've been very critical of, but my respect to her for saying no to this. I don't know what her reasons were, and, and every, each one of these politicians might have a different reason, but ultimately, saying no to this garbage was the right thing. Well, yeah, I mean, again, because COVID relief should be for COVID relief. You yes, know, there are lots, exactly. There are lots of... And of, it should be bigger, and it should be for the American people. I, look... I, I, I think that we should have done direct payments to the American people. I like 2,400 bucks, uh, for, for people. I think that was President Trump's number in the, in the past. Something that is, that can actually help them pay their bills. Uh, what I really liked is the Paytech Protection Program. Uh, and it, in fact, before this bill was voted on, uh, the Democrats in the House of Representatives, I think, voted against at least twice, perhaps a third time. Uh, extensions of the Paytech protection, protection program, which would simply have extended the program through the end of the year, right? Real simple vote. Extend the program through the end of the year and streamline the forgiveness process, right? The Democrats in the House of Representatives voted against that three times. And Donald, so I got massive problems with that. We, uh, Lydia pulled up the story from News WKRG5. Let's, uh, what's the date on this? This is from Just now. December 22nd. Yep. Trump calls on Congress to amend COVID-19 relief bill to increase stimulus checks to 2000 per person. Remove wasteful and unnecessary items. Yes. You, but you see what Rand Paul's response to all this was? If 600, why not 1,200? If 1,200, right. why not 6,000? Why, yeah. why not 10,000? Why not 20,000? Why not universal basic income? I mean, you could fix this problem tomorrow if you just adopted a more surgical pandemic response. Exactly. And, and so I, I will say that I think the political motivations in blue states and governors like Newsom, Pritzker in Illinois, uh, Cuomo in New York, Wolf in, in my home state of Pennsylvania – I believe that these second lockdowns are not just because of the coronavirus. I believe that they're making a political calculation and trying to put pressure on Mitch McConnell to bail out, you know, as I mentioned, poorly run liberal states and liberal cities. You know, by locking down the economy more, right, it puts more pressure on small businesses, more pressure on Mitch McConnell to bail, to give him what, to give those governors what they want. I've I've thought about. You know, we, we went through the first lockdown. So let's 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 uh, we'll, we'll use this as a segue into the, the, the big story that we want to talk about. I remember earlier this year watching videos coming out of China where it's like someone's on a bus and they point the camera out the window and then someone just falls over. And it was like watching Shaun of the Dead. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie where he's like riding and he sees the person fall over and he's like looking. We saw a bunch of those videos. It was freaky. And what was happening is that people were having respiratory issues from COVID and then just like earlier in the year. We had a very serious problem. So we all agreed, okay, we're going to lock down for 15 days because we can't stop this thing. Right? Well, I didn't we agree with that, by the we, way. Well, I did. Because I, the idea was 
flatten the curve, right? How many how many people forgot that already? It didn't work. Well, it did work. COVID just went haywire anyway. It went haywire. It came back. And yeah. so what happened was we did flatten the curve. And then we had this big flat period. And now it's spiking and proving it's not going to stop. And we can't just stay locked down forever. So the, the, the appropriate response now, I believe, is protect the vulnerable, social distancing, masks, and reopening everything. Well, so, so I think, let, go back to the, let's go back to the very beginning in, in January. Um, I saw what I saw coming out of China, uh, was very concerning to me. And, and the truth is, I didn't know, nor did anybody else, to include our intelligence community, what we were dealing with in COVID. And I think back then we didn't even have a name for it. Um, and so Tom Cotton and I think, I, I think Tom Cotton and I were the first people in the country to say, we need to ban all travel from China. Yeah. Until we can figure this out. And they got it. mad at Tom Cotton. Oh, for they that. got mad at Tom Cotton. They got <laughs> mad at me. Oh, we're xenophobic. And then I think the president a couple of days later banned travel from China. Uh, this was all while impeachment, uh, articles of impeachment, by the way, were being delivered from yep. the House to the Senate. Uh, and then the president in, a, in an address, in fact, I was in Washington DC at the time. Uh, and the president banned all travel from Europe. And I remember, Watching that, thinking, "Oh my God, this is serious." He's doing a presidential dress. banning all travel from yeah. Europe is a big deal. Yeah, definitely. Um, and this was at the time where Nancy Pelosi was passing out impeachment pens and telling people to go out in Chinatown, and Mayor De Blasio oh, saying, man. "Go see a movie." Um, Come on down to Chinatown. And Don't be Joe racist. Biden again calling calling Donald Trump xenophobic, a hysterical xenophobic. But, but I know the I know the the media loves to push this fake fact check where they're like, Biden never called Trump xenophobic. Yeah, to specify. <laughs> He, in response to Trump's call for banning travel uh, to China, Joe Biden said, we don't need Donald Trump xenophobia. So it was very clear he was calling Trump a xenophobe in response to this. But the media goes, but he didn't call him that. He said he was, ex yeah, okay, shut up, media. Yeah, so so my, my point is, is that I, I was okay with the lockdowns early on precisely because we didn't know enough about the virus. I mean, for God's sake, it could have had a 50% fatality rate. Yeah, we were And in those instances, it, just from a, a strategic a pandemic military response standpoint, when you don't know a whole lot about the pathogen, you want to make sure that you protect people and keep them isolated as long as possible until you learn about what this thing can do. My point is, after 15 days to slow the spread, then 30 days to slow the spread, then two months to slow the spread, then six months to slow the point is, we know a lot more about COVID-19 today than we did in January. We know Better who it treatments. affects. Yeah, we, we've got therapeutics, Regeneron. I mean, uh, we've, we've got uh, hydroxychloroquine, by the way. Which the, now, the AMA came back out. Now, <laughs> now it's cool because the, because, yeah, the, the, the election's over. Hydroxychloroquine actually The American actually Medical Association reversed yeah. their previous advice on, <laughs> exactly. on H hydroxychloroquine. Amazing. Exactly. Amazing. And so not only that, now we've got two effective uh, vaccines. And by the way, you know, people that criticize the president's pandemic response, again, does President Trump always say the right thing? No. Uh, but his, this public private partnership, uh, uh, Project Airbridge was an unprecedented success. I mean, he delivered PP, uh, personal protective equipment, PPE, uh, at levels that we never thought possible by simply partnering with private institutions got, to make them available and he got criticized no, no, for no, no, there no. not being enough personal protective equipment democrats were actually praising him we had cuomo and newsom actually going oh at the time right yeah. right 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 at yep. the time yes they They're were praising like, him and fauci said we're doing a great job 
I don't think anybody could have done anything better. We developed so many ventilators in this country in such a short amount of time that we didn't even come close to using what we created and what we made. We sent them all around the world. Do you remember the hospital ships up in oh, New York yeah. City and outside yep. LA? Do you know how many people went on the USS Comfort? None, I think right? I didn't, like, like one patient, right? And I don't even <laughs> think it was a COVID patient, right? The Javits Center had like 30% capacity. Yeah, and Operation Warp Speed was an unprecedented success. All of this stuff happened under President Trump's leadership, the development of, of personal protective equipment, which, by the way, uh, our national stockpile of personal protective equipment was completely depleted Obama. under Obama and yep. Joe Biden under the H1N1. Well, think, 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 think about this, okay? Donald Trump, uh, I, I, remember, I remember getting into a Twitter argument with some, some leftist, and I said, Donald Trump did a good job on COVID. And their only response was, oh my God, are you serious? And I was like, w w so we had a lefty on the show. And the first thing he brought up was, I understand, like when he was addressing it, there's no metric by which to judge a good job or a bad job because it's one leader, it's one president doing this one thing. You can try and compare it to histor historical moments or whatever, and, it, and we, you can't do it, right? So I'm like, you're, you're correct. I, I, I agree with that. And he goes, and that being said, here's why Trump did a bad job. And I said, well, I think Trump did a good job. It's really about whether you like Trump or don't. That's what it boils down right. to is it's Trump's comportment. Um, people, you know, and I, I I'll tell you because we, we experienced this on the campaign trail. Um, I, I don't know what it is. I, I mean, I think when you talk about the president's achievements, whether it's Project Airbridge or Operation Warp Speed or or uh, some of these unprecedented public-private partnerships or ventilator uh, uh, production, like all of these things I mean, we're happened in record time. I mean, the fact that we have two vaccines available to people in under a year is, is, is close to a miracle. It happened under President Trump's leadership, but, but people don't, people didn't like him at the podium during press conference. Shortly. Yeah, I know. They didn't so, like, so they didn't like how he interacted with the media. And so that was enough for people to say, well, I just, I just, oh. I just, I just don't like, I don't, I don't think he's doing a good job. So Trump is saying right now he will not sign the COVID relief bill unless Americans get $2,000 stimulus checks. Good. But now, now I want, I want to, I want to uh, address one very important thing, though. Here, here's, here's the bit that I've been doing in the past couple of days. Democrats will come into the, the House or the Senate and say, we're proposing a bill to burn down the House, and they'll light the match. And then Republicans go, whoa, 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 whoa. Only burn down the kitchen. Instead of arguing for reopening the economy— and getting people back to work and protecting the vulnerable. Donald Trump is just saying, oh, yeah, Democrats, well, I'll one up your leftist policy idea and go even further left than you. Well, th this is what this is what the president represents in the Republican Party today, a massive paradigm shift. Right. I would argue and contend that over the last 30 years of my life, Republicans have been conditioned to fly the white flag of surrender at any sign of adversity. And I think that's because, you know, the Democrats control every single cultural institution in this country. They control yep. the media. They control Hollywood. They control our education system. And the Republicans, you know, are afraid of media criticism should they take a stand. Well, I've never, but the president, I have never seen anyone in my life. Now, by the way, you know, the president, again, ran as a Republican, and I think he's a proud Republican, but. He resists groupthink on both sides of the yeah. aisle like no one I have ever seen before. Well, well, you know why? And Republicans and Democrats in Washington, Trumps don't. He, <laughs> Trump's, I don't want to say they don't like him, but he he can make enemies on both sides of the aisle, and he does it as a matter of routine. And I have to say, I, I respect that. Trump's ego is just too big for for better or for worse.
He's a billionaire businessman who knows better than these people. So when they come to him and say, here's what I want to do, he goes, I don't want to listen to you. I know it needs to be done. He believes in himself. He's, 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 uh, to a fault. He's got, he's, he's arrogant. He's egotistical, but that can be good in his, in, in, you know, so that's the negative aspect, but you could also say he's just very, very confident and he's sure of himself. So you, you've got things to criticize him for, but in the same sense, it works out really, really well for the American people right now. I actually agree with the, the, the stimulus, stimulus checks, not for what they're doing. Like if they actually did a $900 billion stimulus package and everyone got $2,700, I would wince, like cringe a little bit. Okay, fine. If that money goes directly to the American people, it's their own buying power being borrowed by themselves. I understand that. Giving it to, you know, art institutions and, you know, prominent universities for like academic nonsense and then tying it into the omnibus stuff. That's when things get out of hand. What it muddies the waters for sure. I, I would say about the, about President Trump, uh, you know, part of. Part of being a leader, and one of the things that I learned very early on as a young leader in Afghanistan is that as a leader, if you're not upsetting people every now and again, you're not doing your job. And part of, part of, you know, part of the problem in Washington is we elect too many lawyers, too many politicians, and not enough leaders. And I think oh, yeah. I disagree with Tulsi Gabbard on a lot of things, on a lot of issues of substance, but I respect her. You know, she came, she came out today, and this is another issue that I have, you know, members of Congress getting the vaccine before people in high yep. risk categories really upsets me because there's a philosophy in the military of leaders eat last. Like when you're in the field with your troops as, as a commander, as a, as a leader, I don't touch food until every single member of my platoon is eaten. And so, you know, Tulsi Gabbard came out today and said, Hey, you know, I disagree with elites in our society or even people that are, that are, that are, you know, what, what do they call high risk folks that are work, that are working, getting the vaccine prior to the elderly. Well, I mean, I, I, I respect that. I respect that. And so, you know, that's not, that decision from her is probably not going to earn her any points within her political party. But again, part of being a leader is well, standing up and doing what you believe in your heart is right, regardless of whether or not you're going to get flack. She's proposing some bills, you know, with all due respect on her way out. She's burning it down. Yeah. I love it. I mean, it's it's fairly moderate what she's proposing, but but I I wanted to to segue this into the the bigger story we had about the protesters, the conservative protesters, because what I what 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 my concern is with extended lockdowns, with or without with with or without a stimulus check. So Trump comes out and says we'll do two thousand dollars, and it's going to make a whole lot of people happy, but it's also going to be a, it's it's essentially paying to keep the lockdowns going. Saying, okay, we can lock down because we'll just keep printing money until what? It all becomes worthless. So now we're seeing conservative protesters coming up and doing something, you know, what we mentioned this earlier in the show, that's, uh, as far as I can tell, rather unprecedented, mm -hmm. at least, at least in this culture war that we've seen over the past several years. First of all, when I started covering, uh, actually, let me, let me make sure I give you guys the context before I get into this. The Independent reports, protesters attack police with pepper sprays. They try to storm Oregon Capitol. Stories from a couple days ago. Two people arrested on charges of trespassing and assaulting an officer. It was bear spray. And these were conservatives using bear spray against police while entering the building. So they say about 300 members of the Proud Boys, Patriot Prayer, and other groups arrived at the reopen Oregon rally, calling on Governor Kate Brown to lift pandemic restrictions as lawmakers met in a special session to discuss stimulus and vaccination distribution measures. I've been covering this stuff since 2011. I've been on the ground at protests since I was a teenager, going down in Chicago to these, you know, anti-Iraq war stuff, anti-Afghan war protests, and just really complaining all the time. And 
when I started covering uh, Occupy Wall Street, I never saw conservative protest. You'd see like Tea Party stuff. And you know that that was? I went to D.C. once and I saw a bunch of lawn chairs and it was a bunch of conservatives and Republicans waving little American flags. And I was like, that's a protest. Yeah. Well, it was effective <laughs> for them, for sure. They, 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 they played it smart. They played it better. And meanwhile, Occupy was very physical, you know, nonviolent civil disobedience mixed with what they call the diversity of tactics, which really sullied and soured the whole thing. But over the next several years, we started seeing, you know, Proud Boys come out. I remember going to Berkeley and seeing Proud Boys. And it was like, I was, I was like, well, Proud Boys are out here. Like, they're just like, you know, drinking with Gavin and doing their videos. And now they're on the ground. Now they're actually fighting with Antifa. And I remember I was in front of Trump Tower. And there was a Trump supporter who's just regular guy, regular clothes. And there were protesters. And we, I was talking to him and he said he was a Trump supporter. And I said, why aren't you protesting? Why aren't you coming out and, and supporting your president? And this is years ago. And he was like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I can't do anything like that. Mm -hmm. So I remember the first time I saw it, I think it was in Boston, when I saw a march of Trump supporters chanting, whose streets, our streets. And I laughed and I'm like, that's what the left says. Now you got conservatives organizing, marching in protests. I'll tell you what I haven't seen. I have seen Antifa throw bricks at cops, throw Molotovs at cops. I've not seen them pepper spray cops. Certainly, I think the Molotovs are way worse. But it is it is fascinating to me. And, I, and I'm not saying that in a good way. I'm like, that's crazy to see conservatives bear spraying cops because you got to really push the line to make a conservative come after a cop. I mean, these are these are people at this protest. There are a couple of people waving thin blue live uh, uh, thin blue line flags. Clearly in support of police, now someone there sprays the cops down with, with bear mace because these cops were barring them from a hearing they were legally allowed to enter. So windows got smashed, cops shoved people back, a couple people got arrested. I'll tell you, we do hear in the media a lot fears about what the right will do if they finally feel compressed and they're going to push back. And I'm like, it's a good point. The problem is they bring it up when no one, no conservative is doing anything. Like Antifa comes out, burns down a whole city, and they're yeah. like, but yes. they're the good guys. They're fighting, you know, fascism. And conservatives are walking around with little American flags. Now you have the, 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 the very serious question of if conservatives have finally said that these, these officers who are violating the Constitution and keeping us locked down and barring us from a public hearing, if they're no longer on our side, why would it be on their side? And but, then a clash but, erupts. But, but also, it's also, it's, it's, it's that it's conservatives over the last year have, have, have suffered just america has suffered uh, but also conservatives are banned conservatives yep. are canceled for the last four years they they made conservatives out to be conspiracy theorists they called us names deplorables chumps you name it you see, you see. Uh, I, I mean every every conservatives are constantly i mean look what look at what antifa did to Elderly conservatives who walked out of the Republican National Convention and back to their hotels on the last night in Washington, oh, yeah. D.C. Th this country has been under attack, uh, under attack by the radical left for the better part of a year. And conservatives have sat back and done nothing but take it on the chin every single month. And, and so I, I, I'm I, I'm not saying I gosh, I would like I don't like violence. Violence is unacceptable on either side uh but we are in the middle of i think the greatest one of the greatest constitutional too. one of the greatest constitutional crisis crises that we that we've ever experienced in this country conservatives already feel like they don't have a voice this is that what, what's happening when 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 free speech and the first amendment is essentially canceled or free speech is suppressed bad things happen and 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 part of the and i think that's part of what we're seeing here 
today. You know, th- th- those conservatives in Oregon, you know, got in the fight with the cops out there. They were, they were, de- they were unconstitutionally denied their right to a public hearing. Again, and they're not violent. They're, they're not they violent. They certainly got, some of them got violent, but it's very different from if a bunch of like Antifa people show up wearing all black. They, they typically act a fool and they start vi- threats and you say, take off your mask and hoodie and glasses and you can come in the building. I'm fine with that. If, and if, if someone wants to protest and come out and yell rabble rabble and they want to wear sunglasses, a mask and a hoodie, that's fine too. You want to commit a violent act. That's not okay. But what's, what's crazy now is Antifa fights cops. They fight cops. We got that video. I was out of like Seattle. I think they threw a Molotov at cops. That was, that's crazy. I mean, they're not just talking about trying to kill the guy. They're trying to, they're talking, you're, 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 when you throw a Molotov at somebody, you're not just trying to commit murder. You want to make sure they suffer the whole way through. And if they survive, they, they have permanent injuries for the rest of their lives. That's psych, that's psychotic. Now conservatives who typically and spent the whole year defending the police, they're mad at them. The police need the support of, of, of anybody they can get, especially when Against the wishes of many of the uh, members of the public, they're defunding police. Minnesota, this is hilarious. City council votes to abolish their police department. All of a sudden, crime rates start skyrocketing. Locals start calling their city council members saying, what's happening? Why aren't the police responding to calls anymore? They come into an emergency meeting. Okay, we got to go backwards. We want a do-over. It was a mistake. It was a mistake. They're doing it even though people are saying not to. And conservatives the whole time have been saying, back the blue, defend the police, not defund the police. But what happens when the police don't get that support because the police are the ones now so, uh, who are shutting down businesses? During the riots in June, Antifa were destroying small businesses and burning down buildings. Well, now the videos I see in big cities, in big dem- cities. they're in Democrat big cities, cities yeah. mind you. It's the police doing it. It's the NYPD who stood in front of that bar in Staten Island and, and, and basically looked the guy in the face and said, you have no constitutional rights because we say so. And they and will arrest you if you try and uh, let people into your building. You have a, the First Amendment says peaceably assemble. It doesn't say why. If I want to peaceably assemble to, you know, uh, pl- play marbles or whatever, I'm allowed to do it. If someone says I'm going to open up my business, I have a right, you know, I have a right to open it to the public. His constitutional right to publicly assemble. The police barred the building. Who are those cops to violate the Constitution that way? Well, I mean, th- this is part of this is part of the reason why I say that, you know, it, the police should should not follow unconstitutional orders. They, they, and, and, and certainly in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, we've not experienced, I mean, I've not seen, uh, I've not, I've not seen or had experiences like that. In fact, most of the cops that I've come into contact with, uh, they loathe the orders. In fact, we've had some sheriffs come out and say, simply, we're not gonna, we're not gonna enforce them. Good. They're, the, the government does not have a right to deny your ability to make a living. The government does not have a right to tell you what you have to wear in your own house. The government doesn't have a right to tell you how many people you can have in your own house. So if you're a police officer and you get a call and, you know, maybe a neighbor tells on you, tells on you, you get a call and you show up to someone's house and they got a couple people in their house. You shouldn't you shouldn't be enforcing unconstitutional orders. And, 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 and And exactly. They're orders. They're not laws. There's no statutory backing to this. It was some governor or mayor saying, "Mayor, just saying, do it." And there and, are cops and, who are doing it. And also, can we also just have a conversation about the like in, in Pennsylvania? 
we're locked down again. Governor Wolf locked us down. He shut down restaurants and indoor dining. But, you know, first of all, oh, oh, oh. there's absolutely no science behind this, right? And you shutting yeah. down restaurants, you know what You know what happens when you shut down restaurants? If anything, we should be opening up more restaurants to allow people to spread out more. But when people can't go out to a restaurant, you know what they do? They entertain at home. They go to their friends' houses. They go to their friends' houses. And so if you're looking for, if you're looking to stop the spread of, of COVID-19 and you actually look at some of the contract tracing research, it says 76% of the spread happens in people's own home what you're doing by closing restaurants is is shunting people back into their own homes which according to your own research allows for the spread of covid19 didn't the supreme court already rule that like the lock the first lockdown in pennsylvania was, was the federal court the federal court and then another judge took it up and struck uh-huh. it down we've got a, we've got so many so many experiences with, well, let me- with the court systems but let me, let me show you this. From Vox.com, December 10th, Southern California sheriffs are refusing to enforce stay-at-home orders. Good. It's, it's, it's these big blue cities. So th- this is another reason why I'll always say the ACAB people are wrong. Somebody commented. I, I, so I, I made a music video uh, in November, and it's, uh, it's called Will the People. You can check it out. But it's about the cycle of authoritarianism and violence. And someone commented. It was really funny. They said, you made an entire video showing how the bad guys are the police. And like the people are rising up against them to remove the dictators and, and, and they're always backed by the cops. And I'm like, when you, when you have blue areas, when you have Democrats and the police there don't care about the constitution, yes, you have a problem. When you have these places in Southern California where the sheriffs uphold the constitution, when you have places in smaller towns and it's, it's, and local cops who uphold the constitution, the cops are the good guys, the ones protecting you from the despots. From the authoritarians. The greatest hedge against authoritarianism is our constitution. Our constitution protects all Americans. It's a shield for all Americans against authoritarian government overreach. Listen, this is why uh, my understanding is most cops swear an oath to uphold the constitution. Absolutely. And they take it seriously. And when they do, they are literally the good guys. When they don't. They're literally bad guys. Yeah, police is a verb. Like, if I give you a gun, I'm like, go walk around and make sure no one's out there. You be, you're policing the area. Whether or not you are adhere to the Constitution has nothing to do with it. Some of those guys did take oaths, and if they're violating them, that's a problem. But anyone can police. Well, it, it really does come down to cops as the most important group of people. And I'm not saying important as a good or a bad thing. The most consequential group of people in this country right now are cops who are upholding their Constitution or breaking it. In New York, we're seeing them break it. And that means people's lives are being destroyed. In areas like Southern California, we're seeing them uphold it, and they're the heroes stopping the fa- the, the, the fascists. Well, well I'll, I'll, I have no problem calling them, use their own word against them. These, these Democrats that feel they have a right to give our taxpayer dollars to massive corporations to shut everything down by edict, that's, they're fascists. Well, and, and, and then when you see some of the reporters talking to Governor Wolf, it, it, it really is... It would be hysterical if it weren't tragic for these restaurants who are closing in record numbers in, right. in the state of Pennsylvania. Reporters asking him, well, why are you closing restaurants? What, what research are you using? Do you know what he's saying? He's like, oh, well, uh, I, I, I can't think of a more dangerous thing than people sitting with me. But, but there's no research to support that, that the spread of COVID-19 is happening in restaurants, especially when restaurants have invested tens of thousands of dollars in, in, in taking 50% capacity. People are spread out. They've or got outdoors. plexiglass or they're outdoors. Yeah. All you're, all you're effectively doing is taking someone's ability to make a living three weeks before, for, before Christmas. And it's not just the owners of the restaurants. It's the busboys. It's the cooks. It's the servers. All of these people are 
going to have not only trouble putting food on the table for their family, but they're having they're going to have issues Christmas for their children, for God's sake. It's and really, what, really frustrating to me. So, I mean, I've stood up in Pennsylvania, and I feel like I'm the only one in Pennsylvania saying restaurants stay open, cops disobey unconstitutional orders. And it's working, except for now we've got government government and health uh, the health department showing up to re- restaurants and inside of one, one restaurant in Western Pennsylvania, Giovanni's, it's an Italian restaurant. Health department came in there and said, well, you're not supposed to be open for, for in-person dining. And he said, well, I can't make a living if I, if I don't. So they came back the next day, they pulled his health permit and they said, oh, we'll make you a deal. We'll let you do takeout. And he said, I, I lose money when I do takeout. I'm staying open. He said, well, guess what? We got to shut you down now. How are they going to do it? They, well, he didn't listen. So. Are they going to send cops in? I don't. I look. If if they do, I don't. I don't think. I I I don't know. I hope that the, I hope that the cops don't. I hope that they don't comply. I don't think that they will. But but the point is, people are starting to push back. And and what I said earlier in the program is a government derives power from the consent of the people. The moment we no longer consent, the government has no power to impose any unconstitutional lockdowns. And again, I'll say this again, because there'll be some radical left group that's going to take this out of context and say that I don't care about COVID. I do care about COVID a lot. I think we need to adopt a more surgical pandemic response. I think that we can protect small businesses and protect people's ability to make a living while simultaneously protecting public health. I think we can do both. Not only that, I think at this point, I don't, I don't care what the response being offered up is as long as it's not lockdown. You know why? We did the lockdown. Didn't work. The, the, we did a, we the did science behind them is dubious at this point. Anybody that's advocating for lockdowns at this point in the game is not looking at the data and not but, looking at but, the but, science. But I'll clarify. The first point of the lockdowns was not to stop everyone from getting COVID. It was to make it so the hospitals could handle the load by spreading it out. That was the goal of the lockdown. We did. Now it's back. We, we, we slowed the spread. It came back with a vengeance. We can't just do it again because clearly it's just going to keep coming back. We have to do something else. So my, my question is, though, with these protesters, at what point do conservatives, I don't know, escalate, as it were? My, 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 uh, there's a town called Mossy Brook in Washington where the mayor just said, we're, vo- we're exempt from the lockdown just by his own decree. And so the city is just normal. Patriot Prayer, you know, right-wing groups showed up and they partied. Um, I, I think, you know, people, uh, what the government is doing is risking the loss of their legitimacy. When you have police in New York and other big cities violating the Constitution, well, then people feel like the government is illegitimate. When you have police officers who defy the, the, the elected government, like in Southern California, to defend the Constitution, then people are going to start feeling like their elected government is illegitimate. If the Constitution is not being protected or the or the, the governors are trying to are rip it apart, then people are going to lose confidence. At what point do we start seeing small towns and right wing groups just set up their own checkpoints or whatever and say, you have no power here to like the cops? When or they go hungry, when they start going hungry. They'll well, go God, I, I hope that never happens. I, I think we can avoid all of that by simply disobeying the orders, period. The, the most they- effective way. Because this is the most. And by the way, thing. by the way, Tim, like when I say disobey the orders, I'm simply saying restaurants stay open, small businesses stay open. If you want to leave your house and you want to go shopping, then go shopping. Follow CDC guidelines. Wear a mask in the store. If you're if you're uh, somebody that's afraid of COVID, right? Or if you're somebody that has a a, a pre existing condition, or if you're in a high risk category, you know, stay home. Order groceries online. Look to your neighbor for help. Maybe they'll go grocery shopping for you. But there are ways. The, the human beings. We'll find, I mean, we'll find a way to be safe and be responsible during all this. But what the, the point that I'm making is I don't think a top down 
draconian government lockdown is the answer because you know, there's that old afraid from Ronald Reagan, like, uh, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. That scares me. <laughs> I don't want the government's yeah, help. I the, think the vast majority of Americans don't want the government's they're help. They're loaning out money. Oh. So basically, we're taking a loan from the Federal Reserve that we have to pay back at interest just to pay ourselves well, 600 children. bucks. Your yeah. children and your children. And children. so the debt, GDP, debt to GDP ratio is 126, you said? 128. 120, once it gets to 130, you mentioned a number. 132, is, uh, you're going to have like real, real problems. And like what historically do very poor countries with huge militaries do they don't disband yes (laughs) i don't know who we would invade right now though iran how about iraq and afghanistan and syria and libya and all that how about yeah how about uh, this is what i'm talking about desperation iran is the is the target well i i i i i don't know i mean i feel like we racked up a lot of debt in Afghanistan and, and in Iraq, Iraq more so than but Afghanistan. Who, but who wrecked the debt up and who benefited from it? Because there are individuals probably in government who either just didn't care and voted yes, because they're not going to see this. Or there are people who had stock in certain companies and were like, oh, I'll vote for war. Fine. Whatever. My my fear is 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 not about. You know, the, the United States potentially invading, you know, another country. Although, I mean, I'm al- always worried about sending our troops into harm's way for a number of different reasons and the potential foreign policy implications that come along with that. I, I am very, very worried uh, about the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. Definitely. Uh, I'm very, very concerned. Taiwan. If they go in on Taiwan, I mean, what's America going to do? Well, I, I, okay. Joe Biden will do nothing. Well, I, I, I said, I said, I said, you know, it, if you end up seeing a Biden presidency, mark my words, I think and this is this is just what I know of China and how they operate. And I've been watching them for the last 10 years of my life. I think you'll see China go quiet. And then I think you'll see them invade Taiwan. And then you're going to that'll be one of the soon. Th- soon. Yes. And so but look, the, the Chinese Communist Party has infiltrated every level of of our government. Yep. And that is not Sean Parnell on Tim Pool and a conspiracy theory. <laughs> this is what a Chinese professor said at a Chinese presentation said that we've got people at every level of the Chinese Communist Party. He even brought up paying Hunter Biden and the Biden family. A couple weeks later, you have Eric Swalwell come out with, with Fang Fang being compromised by a Chinese spy. You had a Chinese spy driving around Diane Feinstein for 20 years. Now get this. And th- no one, no one's talked about this. Uh, I'm going to talk about it on your show for the, for the first time. A high level Chinese diplomat met with the Allegheny County executive, Rich Fitzgerald in August of 2019. Why is a high level Chinese official, Communist Party official, meeting with a county executive. And you know how I found that information? On the on the Chinese Communist Party New York City consulate website, <laughs> where they said that in this meeting, oh, Rich Fitzgerald, the Allegheny County executive, welcomed us with open arms. We said that Wuhan and Pittsburgh are sister cities. And we when stand this? in August of 2019, three months before a pandemic, Wuhan wow. and Pittsburgh are sister cities. Yeah. What gives an Allegheny County executive the authority to make a declaration like that, number one? Number two, how is it okay for a county executive and local Democratic officials to meet with a senior, a high-level Chinese diplomat to to subvert, and by the way, this is on the CCP's website, to subvert the president's trade policy in China and foreign policy in China and stand steadfast in our friendship? Did you see this uh, this story that came out uh, just about a week ago? Data leak exposes details of 2 million Chinese Communist Party members. I saw that. Yeah. The U.S. and the U.K. have been infiltrated 
by members of the Communist Chinese Party, some of these biggest companies, some of them working for some of these major pharmaceutical companies. So I have to wonder, when I see something like that, when I see uh, Fang Fang, you know, Eric Swalwell allegedly was having relations with this woman, and she helped fundraise for his campaign. My question is, why hasn't he resigned already? Why is why, he on the intel committee? Why isn't he under investigation, having every single communication ripped apart and gone through the fine-tooth comb? And then when I see stories about this guy, Fitzgerald, you're mentioning now in Allegheny County, oh, it's, it's, you notice this because this is your county, right? Yeah, it's part of my district. You, 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 you're, this is your, you know, where Look, you live. This is my first foray into politics. But, you know, I'm, just, I'm a warfighter, so I'm just starting to notice this stuff but think, now. Think about this. Think about how many other counties, how many other 100%, districts. 100%. And then I wonder, you say, what, what gives him the authority? Why does he do it? Yeah, I wonder if all it takes is some hacker, a Chinese Communist Party member who, you know, hacks into his account, finds his uh, naughty folder, and then blackmails him with it. They have a meeting and they say, oh, take a look at this image. Well, look, that's that's part of their playbook. But China knows our China knows the game. The Chinese Communist Party uh, does not want for resources. Part of what they do, part of right out of the Chinese Communist Party playbook is putting pressure on local, state and federal officials that they think that they can get in with. And it just so happens. I mean, look, this is a Republican and Democrat problem. Now, I don't think that I mean, you've got Dianne Feinstein and Eric Swalwell. And then you've got I I I I. Te- I technically agree, but I actually kind of disagree with you saying it's a Republican and Democrat problem. It's bad for all of us. It's bad for all of us is what I'm, I'm not, saying. I'm not sure the Democrats care. Well, I mean, look, if the Democrats cared, Eric Swalwell would not be on the Intelligence exactly. Committee. Yep. Um, if, if the Democrats... Joe Biden would not be president-elect or pre- will be on January 6th or I, I, about to be. <laughs> I mean, look, this, this, is, a, this is a problem. This, this is a problem that, that, that deserves the attention of every power broker in this country, in the private sector, and every head of every government agency needs to be getting, focused on this now. Too many, too many people are in on the take, man. Look, look, look. It is not hyperbolic to say that uh, Joe Biden is likely compromised by communist Chinese interests. He, he flew his son on government property, Air Force on Two, Air Force Two to China for a one point five billion dollar equity deal. Now, I thought it didn't happen. I thought the equity deal fell through, but we had China uncensored on the show, and they said. No, actually, it did go through, just not the way people think. The negotiations were good. It worked. They got uh, a $5 million interest-free forgivable loan. Joe Biden flew his son to China for a private deal. Joe Biden's involved. Of course, he's the big guy. He's the big but guy. But even, even outside of accusations, right, from these emails, so we have leaked emails. We, well, they're not leaked emails. We have the laptop. Was, the emails were published. We have confirmation from Tony Bobulinski, who worked on some of these deals, get rid of all that stuff. Just say, just say, you know what? Okay, to the, you're arguing with your Democrat buddy. Say, forget it all. It is not in dispute that Joe Biden took Air Force Two to fly his son to China for private equity deals. Joe Biden used government resources to enrich his family. That is a fact, not in dispute by anybody. And now this guy's on track to become president. Look, it, it's concerning. And, and I would say about, you know, Allegheny County executives, local local county executives, it's not uncommon for them to meet with diplomats and welcome them to their cities. But I would say, why are you meeting with our number one geopolitical foe, probably the greatest human rights abuser on the planet? They put people in concentration camps. Their number one goal is to become the lone superpower overtaking the United States of America. 
Does this not deserve questions from maybe For somebody sure. in the media? I used to always be like, why were they so nice to the Nazis in 1930? Why was Hitler man of the year? Why did Time why did Germany? Yeah, why did they host the Olympics? <laughs> why was Germany such the love child of the world in the early days when uh, maybe their human rights abuses weren't public knowledge yeah. yet? Peace but in I our think time. It was, yeah, that? who said that? Neville Chamberlain. Neville, Neville Chamberlain said that. So after I, his I, that, that was Michael Malice who brought that up on the show, right? Yeah. The, the saying "peace in our time" was when Neville Chamberlain talked to Hitler, and they were like, "He comes back and he goes, don't worry, he says he won't attack us.'" Yeah, huh. they gave him uh, they did. a piece of what, Czechoslovakia or something. I don't know. <laughs> Neville Chamberlain gave him a big piece of land and was like, "He's not going to do any. He's not going to invade any more guys." Yep. The Sudetenland. I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. The and idea. Then, the yeah. idea that China is our friend that is being. You're hearing this in the news from many in the Democrat Party is one of the greatest fallacies of our time. They are not our friend. They they do not want to be. They want to overtake our country. They do not want to cooperate with us. Like look look, it, it, it's very 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 concerning. And I'm telling you, every leader in our country needs to focus on this right now. But clearly, people like Swalwell either don't care or like it. He, I don't think he intentionally took a spy under his wing. He'd resign but, if he cared. Well, now, yeah, I know. And so I think if, if there was enough of a public care. outcry, he would resign. I, I don't know if it's that they don't what care if, or is that they're just ignorant to the goals, the foreign policy goals of, of China, or maybe they don't understand. Well, let me, let me, let me, let me tell you something. When I, I worked for, some, for ABC News, Univision's Joint Venture Fusion. I worked in the ABC News building. I worked in the Univision building. I worked for Vice. What people think, they think that individuals get bribed to do things. They think that, like, I would go to you and say, hey, I want you to, you know, steal Ian's glasses. Here's 10 bucks. Well, that does, that's not how bribes work. That's not how the media works. And that's not how political manipulation works. Here's how it works. If you run a company that, and you want it to be a woke, progressive, or conservative company, you don't hire a journalist and then say, I'll give you extra money to lie and make fake news. You seek out those who lie and make fake news and say, want a job? And they say, yes, I do. Here's your salary. Do whatever you want, because I already know what you do. Eric Swalwell got help with his political career from Fang Fang. The Chinese Communist Party finds feckless, ignorant morons and then says, make them win. How can we make them win? Why do we, we have do? feckless, ignorant morons in our in our government? Because we are a government of, by and for the people. Because and it's that a means popularity any, vote. Because anybody can run. So what they what they what, what they'll do now is they'll exploit that system in any legal possible way they can or even illegal. Like we have the Thousand Talents program. These professors are getting huge stacks of cash from China and they're getting arrested for it because it's illegal or they're lying to the government about the money they're getting. China's willing to break the rules and they're willing to do whatever it takes to exploit our system. And Fang Fang, the, the spy work who is helping Eric Swalwell get elected is well, that, that's that's basically the point. Swalwell Probably wouldn't even be in office. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe he would have. That's fine. But either way, he should have resigned the moment the story broke. The moment he had to hit a briefing and the FBI came in and said, you were propped up by Chinese spies. And if it were me, I'd walk out and be like, I'm out. I resign. Straight up. Or at least take him off the intelligence committee Seriously. so that he doesn't have Seriously. access to our country's most sensitive secrets. Yeah, that too. Yeah. I mean, but I don't, I don't think the Democrats care. Look at, remember Steve King? Remember what yeah. happened to him when he tweeted about white nationalism? Yes. He got booted off everything. Every committee. And then he lost the pre primary. He lost the primary, yes. Because the Republican Party said, we don't want to associate with you and what you're saying, so we want someone else. That was the Republican Party because the Republicans, for all of their faults, are still substantially better than Democrats in many ways. I think both parties are full of crony establishment garbage, 
But you still have a decent amount of people in the Republican Party who I are totally willing to agree say with you. They're I willing totally to do something agree. about it. I mean, obviously, I'm a Republican, but yes, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. But again, it's, it's just look at Ilhan, Ilhan Omar comes out and says all that stuff about you know Jews in Israel. That was like the way the way I described it was Ilhan Omar was crop dusting anti-Semitism. You know what crop dusting is? The plane comes down, gets real close to the ground, but doesn't touch it. The things Ilhan Omar said weren't overtly anti-Semitic, but people were like, you said, reading into it. You, but hold on. You said three things. It's like if you said one thing, we'd be like, oh, that's weird. Second time we go, it's kind of weird. Third time it's like, OK, that's on purpose. Right. But all that happened was Nancy Pelosi said we want to condemn all bigotry. And no, no penalties, no censure, no punishment. Just we condemn bigotry. Have a nice day, everybody. Steve King, Steve King tweets once and they kick him out of the party. He's gone. He loses. Yeah. Bye bye. I know. And so Democrats don't do it. And Eric Swalwell still sits on the intelligence committee, even though he was compromised for years <laughs> by a Chinese spy. You know, it's funny. Uh, there was a meme where they were like Chinese. The, the Chinese Communist Party is sending beautiful young women to basically like get in bed literally with up and coming stars politicians personalities and so now it's like if you are what, what did someone say they say if you're a two and she's a 10 you probably you, should pre- say, you gotta ask some questions <laughs> there, she's buddy. probably a spy <laughs> yeah. she's probably a spy <laughs> something's not right huh? um can we get swallow out of the out of the committee impeach him yeah. The only way he gets removed from the committee is Nancy Pelosi removes him from this from the committee. You know what, man? Have you seen what's going on with the 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 force the vote thing on the progressive left? I I have seen this, although I I don't know enough about it to discuss it in any depth. I have seen it. I, I read a little bit about it just today. This is why I think uh, I'll tell you another reason why I don't like the Democrats. After everything we've just explained about you know kicking people out of the party and booting them off com- uh, you know their their um, committees, you have Ocasio Cortez. And she and, and the progressive Democrats in the, the Democratic Party, because the Republicans gained so many seats, they now have the leverage to force a vote on basically anything they want. I think they're within five votes of the majority, right? Like it's like the House is very, very. Yeah, I think they, I think the Democrats have a six or seven seat majority right now, which means if the progressives went to Nancy Pelosi and said, unless you give us a floor vote on these issues, we will not vote for you for speaker, in which case the Republicans could gain control to a certain degree. They're still the minority part. Oh, for sure. So you have Jimmy Dore, who is, he's progressive, but he's populist. And I think he's a good dude. And he said, you were elected to do this. Do it now. They won't do it. They won't challenge Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi, in her weakest position yet, wants to be wants to be reelected speaker. And they have the leverage to say no to her. And they won't they do won't. it. They won't. No, because, I mean, look, say what you will about Nancy Pelosi, but she's shrewd. She She's... She's a, a ruthless politician. She knows oh, yeah. the game. She's been in Washington for a long time. She's got a lot of money. She's got a lot yeah, of money does. in her super PAC. And she she can single-handedly funnel millions of dollars, which happened in my race, by the way. You know, they, yep. they, she she funneled $1.2 million of, of dark super PAC money into PA-17 against me. Uh, I, I would argue that it didn't work. Uh, I mean, maybe it, maybe it worked enough. Did but, the mail-in voting work? No, no. Well, the mail-in no, voting for, worked real well for the Democrats. That's what I mean. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and oh, and oh. So, so <laughs> you want you want to hear you want to hear the latest on this? Yeah, what's going so on? So, the so the last time I was on the show, we talked about how there were thirteen thousand mystery mail-in ballots that were infused into my race the day after election day. We don't know where they came from. Now, 
this number of, of mail-ins, Republican, Democrat, independent, other, they're not projections. We know what that number is, and we knew what that number was on election day, and we knew what it was on election night. On election night, there was no honest mathematical path for my opponent to win, period, end of story. News outlets had, had called the race. Leader McCarthy called me to congratulate me. Any way you cut it, there was wow. going to be a two-percentage-point victory for me, right? It was, it was over. McCarthy called you? At the exact moment that the ballot dumps were happening the day after election day at night. Wow. And so for five weeks, we've been asking Allegheny County, where did these 13,000 ballots come from? Now, they, they were dropped in two successive dumps, one at four, one of 4,000 votes, one of 9,000 votes. They were all for Connor Lamb, Democrat. Almost exclusively for Biden and Lamb, right? Where did they come from? Where did they come from? We've been asking them for, we've been asking Allegheny County for weeks. Um, we never got a response from Allegheny County. Uh, we had a gr- we had a real great reporter in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. She asked him, finally got a response in like the first week of December. And do you want to know what the where are these thirteen thousand ballots? What's the chain of custody? Their answer was, Mister Parnell had a representative at our facility and signed out at six fifty eight p.m. before the work was completed. And I said, that's like, first of all, they didn't answer the question. That's like a police officer saying to a shoplifter, sir, did you steal those groceries? And the shoplifter shrugging his shoulders and saying, well, the cashier was off. Like (laughs) they didn't answer the question. They're just, they're just brazenly laughing in our faces at this. And, and my gosh, if if you, we can't even talk about it without your show getting, we can't even talk about any of this stuff without getting banned or disputed on social media. But I'm living this every single day. And look, this isn't about me. Like, my God, look, being a representative of, of, of the people by and for the people in Congress would have been an honor of a lifetime. I take it seriously. Um, but you know, I had a pretty good life before running for Congress. I take a pretty big pay cut going into Congress. So my point, my point is this, this is not about Connor Lamb and me. This isn't about Joe Biden and Trump. This is about, we talked about the Democrats and the radical left controlling every cultural institution, whether it's the media, entertainment, uh, education, YouTube, but YouTube, social media, big tech. And now Tim, they control the ballot box. This is a problem. And so we have, we, we've got to work out the kinks in this election. I don't, it, it doesn't matter. God, it doesn't matter where the chips fall. And I would even be willing to say, look, 2020, people voted in good faith. Let's keep 2020 as is, but we have to fix and reform the system going forward. Otherwise, no one is going to have faith. And I know where you're going to go with this. Where, where am I going to go? Cause even if we say 2020 was this, was foobar, right? 2020 was real messed up. Even if we get a positive ruling from the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court says, yeah, Act 77 is unconstitutional, 2020 was jacked up, but fix it going forward, you're going to have 50% of the state of Pennsylvania saying, wait, what? The election in Pennsylvania was unconstitutional and illegal in 2020, and you're forcing me to accept it? Yep. So this is why I say this is a constitutional crisis, because even if – so say you say 2020 is messed up, we're moving forward, like deal with it. 50% 50% of the people are going to not accept it. But then on the flip side of that, you say Act 77 is unconstitutional and every mail-in ballot that's sent in under that unconstitutional system is getting thrown out. That's also explosive because those people cast their ballots in good faith. We went to the court, Tim, which is precisely how our system of government is designed to help us provide, to help us give a remedy to what we believe is a constitutional crisis. Because we got to have some clarity on this election and every election moving forward. And, and what point? What you want to you want to think is going to happen next? Oh, tell me. Tell I me. think uh, Democrats are going to win in Georgia, and then Joe Biden's going to come going to become president, and then they're going to pack the Supreme Court. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe because you might get you you might get like a mansion Democrat who's like I, I refuse to allow this. Yeah. But uh, the reason why I think they're going to win in Georgia is because what I've often said is Trump's not on the ballot. 
and people don't like the Republican Party. They like Trump I, and they like the new wave of Trump Republicans. This, it's a smaller group relative to the political establishment. But the runoff in Georgia is on January 5th. On January 6th, Alex Jones, many others say they're going to be in D.C. with 10 million people. Yeah. How many people from Georgia are going to pack their bags on the 5th to drive and perhaps to not vote in Georgia? Exactly. I know it can, it's concerning for sure. That, that can't happen, though, Tim. I mean, you're right. Look, look, let's say let's war game this. If the Democrats win in Georgia, I think without question, they will try to pack the court. Yep. Don't believe me. This isn't what I think. They've said it. They're going to make two more states it would probably be Democrat senators representing those what states. What are they going to do? Uh, D.C. and Puerto Rico. D.C. and Puerto Rico. They're going to probably ditch the Electoral College. Again, don't believe me. They've said it. That They've would require that would I think that would require two thirds ratification so that they can't. They're going to try to do it, but it, it won't matter. I don't I don't think you know. I think they've already changed the rules beyond the, the electoral right. college. Yeah, well, I see what you mean. It won't matter. Yeah, it won't yeah. Matter. Look, the the fact that they've done universal mail in voting, they've obliterated the chain of custody for our election system. They've ripped security away from it. Nancy Pelosi wanted to get rid of voter ID. They want no security in their elections while they screamed that we had insecure elections for four years. And listen, every pundit, in at least in the state of Pennsylvania. The general sentiment is, well, Democrat in the White House, Republicans pick up seat in the off year, right? That's just always been the historical trend. What The party that holds the White House, the opposite party picks up seats that year. But in the state of Pennsylvania, I don't think the people realize the paradigm shift that happened in 2020. There was something called, with as part of Act 77, called the automatic opt-in. So during the highest presidential voter turnout in our nation's history... The Democrats sent out something like two plus million mail-in ballots. If you got a ballot application and you check the automatic opt-in, you get a ballot sent to you for every election until the day that you die. And if you're a Democrat, probably after that as well. But my my point is, you the the idea that all of those people, all of those Democrats, are going to get ballots in the off cycle in the off cycle, right? So they're feasibly. Feasibly, they could have a presidential voter turnout in a mid-cycle in the state of Pennsylvania, what, which what, is it, it, this Democrats only get elected with low information voters. And I'm not saying that to disparage your average Democrat voter. But the fact that you've had Democrats talking about lowering the voting age to 16 is all the proof I need to say Democrats survive off of low information voters, people who aren't. So listen, why do you, why do they want universal mail-in voting? Well, the left says to make it easier for people to vote. Should someone who has no idea what they're voting for or who they're voting for vote? My personal opinion? No. That's why I don't like, we, we talked about this quite a bit, getting rid of the D and Democrat and Republican, getting rid of parties on ballots. Imagine you got, you got a, a flyer in the mail or, or imagine you go to vote and you see Connor Lamb, Sean Parnell, no Democrat, no Republican, just the names. The only people who are going to get the votes are the people who are like, I like Sean Parnell or I like Connor Lamb. Now what happens is you get a ballot in the mail and they go, Democrat. They don't know what they're voting for. They don't know why they're voting for it. And that's what Democrats thrive on. We can't function if people just are saying, I don't know, party, boop, and they're not really voting for anything other than team. Then you end up with people who sell you out to, say, China. And that's what we're headed towards. I, you know what, man? I think the Democrats, this was their uh, their reckless abandon, their desperate attempt to get enough votes to beat Trump. By waking as like uh, waking many people to politics, getting them as active as possible and angry as possible, and now we're all sitting sitting here watching this relief bill, this ridiculous omnibus spending bill. Everybody basically hates it. Everybody's angry. Democrats yeah. hate it. Left the leftists hate it. Conservatives hate it. Trump supporters hate it. They're 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 throwing it in our faces and laughing. 
So at this point, I think the establishment is rather content. Mitch McConnell is already telling other senators not to support Trump on January 6th. Uh, uh, you know, don't don't do it. He's already planning to override Trump's veto. Trump wants to veto the defense spending bill. Well, the Republicans never had his back. They, they were only forced to have his back because they knew that Trump had the support of the people. Well, let me tell you, man, I think that's a huge look. If, if that's the case, if what you say is true, uh, you know, it'd be a huge mistake for any Republican in the House or the Senate to to run away or distance themselves from the president. He is by far the most popular president in our nation's history, period. And and no, I don't include Joe Biden in that count because I'm sorry. Look, you could say what I, I don't want to get you in trouble on YouTube or whatever. So I, I just I don't believe that he got 80 million votes. The guy, well, the guy, the guy never left his basement. He doesn't inspire anybody. He did not have a single message. He can't string together a single coherent sentence. There, and and, and this idea of of widespread voter fraud, I disagree with it. I disagree with it. I think I think the fraud was very surgical. And if you look at the the red, red waves happened everywhere, except for in areas that Demo- in counties that Democrats absolutely had to win. It was a zero sum game. Look at John James in Michigan. Look at Derek Van Orden, Navy SEAL in Wisconsin. He, those two guys lost. Uh, me and PA-17. In the areas that Democrats had to win, in counties that they had to win, to carry key battleground states, they won. Red wave everywhere else. In Allegheny County, the president didn't lose the state of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, right? That's not where he lost. He lost the state of Pennsylvania in Allegheny County, where Joe Biden had the second highest voter turnout ever to Lyndon B. Johnson in 1964. But in, and by well, the way, but, by the way, Joe Biden got a, a couple thousand fewer votes than Lyndon B. Johnson in 1964. But, but, in, but 19, listen, in 1964, Allegheny County was 30% more populous. There, there, there is a very easy, simple explanation. The media had been screaming orange man bad nonstop. That's, that's correct. And then they launched universal mail-in voting. And so what I was saying was in the month or two leading up to the election, you're going to have, this is really funny. I don't know if, I don't know who said this to me. I said, you're going to have a parent. The mail-in ballots are going to come into the house and they're going to go to their kids who are like, you know, 18, 20. And they're going to be like, did you vote yet? You got to vote. You got to vote for the Democrat. And the kids will be like, I don't care, mom. And then I think it was maybe Michael Malice who said, no, it's going to be the way around. The college kids come home and go to their parents and go, we got our ballots. You got to vote and you got to vote for the Democrats. And the parents go, sure, fine, whatever. I think one of the reasons why we see Many of these votes were just for Biden. Nobody else was because these people don't vote. They were like orange man, bad. Have a nice day. Well, look, a couple, a couple things. Like, let's just say, let's see, let's just even say there was, let's just even say there was no fraud, right? None whatsoever. I still well, Bill Barr said there was. Well, of course, there was there 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 was fraud, right? There but, was, but uh, Bill but, Barr said not enough to affect the outcome. My, this was a new statement too. Look, look, yeah, look. My point is, let's just pretend that there was none. This is still not a free and fair election. You had the media parroting nonstop lies about the president every single day. The mainstream media, most in the media. And then you had big tech censoring stories that would have probably made people switch their vote from Joe Biden 
to, to Donald yeah, Trump. Yeah. The Hunter Biden story is a prime example of that. He had the oldest newspaper in the country, right? The New York Post come out with a, a story that was perfectly vetted, fact checked perfectly. He had Tony Bobolinsky come out. The media ignored it a hundred percent, like something like 10% of the people who learned about this after the fact said, Hey, if they knew about this Hunter Biden story going into November 3rd, they probably yep. would not have voted for, for Joe Biden. And that right there in and of itself is enough to switch the outcome oh, of yeah. the election. Like, so the Democrats control the cultural institutions and yeah and so yeah it's it's a it's a problem and now 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 with with act 77 in in, in the mail-in ballots specifically in pennsylvania they control the ballot box too dude you have secret ballot counting days after the election was done oh what, november 5th and 6th they're still counting on this foreign proprietary voter machine that's they, canadian that's, well Canadian Look, corporation I, built this I don't, proprietary I don't, voting machine that counts in secret. I don't know anything about days I, after they need to know that's, how many that's, they that's, need. No, no, it's the, insane. The voting, the voting machine. Pro, the, the problem with the the voting machines is not that they're counting in secret. They're, they're, there's proper tabulation on these things. The problem is that when Trump campaign and others sued, they were they were the, the lawsuits were thrown out on procedural grounds. The, the problem so is it's not Arizona, that they were proper or improper. It, it's that we don't know. In Arizona, well, we don't know anything. You I don't, know. You don't, there's no transparency. Well. The, it, <laughs> That's, that's There's a, a whole, lack of transparency, I should say. That is. In is. Arizona, when they filed subpoenas for the voting machines to actually get the forensic analysis, you can see the vote counts. You can see the signatures. They're not doing it. Oh, they gave us Trump, one? That's Trump like, is, what are those? No, no they, they, they blocked it, you... and they said, we're going to court, and we're not going to follow the subpoenas. They got subpoenaed and said, F you, we won't listen. And in Georgia, when Trump said, we want a hard signature audit, they said no, and they did like these sam sample audits. So every single time there's been someone saying, can we look at these machines? It's been a no. And the one time we did in Antrim County, the report came out saying widespread that the, the they, they claimed in this report there were intentional errors in like 68 percent to force adjudication. So an election official could choose where the vote goes. That's the problem. So, well, yeah, transparency. I, I would tell you, can I I'll tell you what happened very simply in the state of Pennsylvania, right? Uh, there are all sorts of issues with this election. And I, 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 you're looking at changes that were made in the middle of the game, right? Unconstitutional changes to our election code and to voting in the middle of the game, right? The Secretary of State in the state of Pennsylvania said, we're going to remove the signature verification for ballots. We're going to remove any, or for mail-in ballots. We're going to remove the postmark requirement for any mail-in ballot. We're going to remove any semblance of a deadline for a mail-in ballot. This was just a few weeks before the election. So my point is, they used Dirty they used COVID to create chaos at the top. They changed the rules at the last minute at the top, right? And then add to that at the next tier down, you had you know what I what I call Zuckerberg money that was invested in heavily Democratic counties like Allegheny County. I think got two point two million dollars. I don't know. It wasn't from Zuckerberg directly, but it was it was from a shell corporation or something like that. You can look it up on on Google right now and find it to pay election judges to boost their salaries right this is this is all just look it up i i don't think that this is legal by the way but i haven't seen lawsuits on it yet but you bank on it there will be lawsuits on this where they boosted the salaries of judges of elections they created remote satellite uh voting facilities where people could just show up at like an ice rink and cast their ballot uh, and, and they uh, and, and they funded drop boxes yeah and they funded drop boxes well, so and then, and then they had and then and then beyond that and and you had this this issue in a Beaver County nursing homes that I've looked at, like granny harvesting, ballot harvesting in nursing homes. Um, you have you have you have ballots and issues of ballots uh, of of zero chains of custody in in PA seventeen that were cast. That we had stories and, and affidavits from people who who have who heard people voting twice. Right? They they mailed in a ballot and then they voted provisional. I mean, there are all sorts of issues with this. And I'm not all I'm saying 
right? Is that we should look into it. This is the yeah. first, this is the first time that we've, that we've used an all mail in system or no excuse absentee system in the state of Pennsylvania. This is the first time it's ever happened in the middle of a once in a hundred year pandemic. Is it not okay to think critically about this and say, let's look into this a little bit to make sure that everything went as it was supposed to go? Because every ballot that was cast illegally cancels out a ballot of someone no, who showed up on election day to vote. There's no political willpower. There's some. There's, there's, listen, it's like I was, I was, I, it's like I was saying, the Democrats will come into the, in, into Congress and propose a bill to burn down the house and Republicans will say only burn down the kitchen. I think we need instead like of, a, instead of arguing, how about we don't burn down the house? They say, well, we'll negotiate with you on what you're asking for. Well, what, what upsets me is that how is it the responsibility of the citizen to prove these things? Is it not the responsibility of the government to prove to the people Technically, that their we elections are, are free and we fair? We are yep. the government. That's yes. And is it not the responsibility of the media to be a watchdog for the people and ask real questions about the states? Well, yes. And this is why I'm pretty pessimistic on where we go next. Because the media in this country is they're, they're Democrats. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the, the overwhelming majority of all of these big media companies are pro-Democrat. They would not report on Hunter Biden, even though it was probably one of the biggest stories of the decade of, or longer. And so they're not watchdogs. They're advocates. And so you have advocates, and we are headed towards California-style one-party rule. You know, you know what I love about California? A year or so ago, probably two years ago, I was reporting on the rise of medieval diseases in California because their, their, their government has failed. And it's basically Democrat supermajority in all of these big cities— and they saw uh, uh, bubonic plague and like typhus. All of that happening just before COVID happened. They were the worst prepared place. Their policies were failures. And you look at New York, which was the worst affected. And once again, Democrat controlled. So I would think it's not Democrat. It's a corporatist issue. They're corporatists masked with that Democrat phrase. Of course. They, they yeah. chose to ally with that party for they're, the moment. They're, they're, they're cronies. And it's Republicans, too. It's just that when Trump came into the Republican Party, some people sided with him and new people have now gotten elected and would have been one of, someone like yourself. A lot of the new Republicans that are coming in are good, regular people and supporters of the president and the working class individuals, populists, I suppose. But there's too many. I mean, the Democratic Party is almost exclusively like crony corporate types and the Republican Party is a lot of them. So I don't know. I don't know how you change that. We got to work when, when, outside the system. There's no listen, fixing that system from within. Listen, we need to, an external blockchain voting system that goes in tandem. That's not gonna, that's not something that it. works in tandem with the broken Bro. system so that you can outshine it. I, I see what you're saying. But listen, I just had to explain to somebody how the government printing 35% of all U.S. dollars in 10 months right. was taking away their buying I'll tell power. you what civil disobedience, they, they not paying look, look, that look, debt back. They don't understand what that means. And the little response is, what do you mean? The government's giving me $600. These people who are voting, who are, are being given mail-in ballots, universally just appearing in their mailbox, they're going, oh, I well, get I get $600. You're using well, an anecdotal argument. You know some stupid people. That doesn't mean we can't work outside the system. 
That is nothing. What are you talking You're about? You're saying this anecdotal idiot that's like, oh, I got 600, bro. That means that everyone, they're too stupid to create you a new think, system. I don't think, think that's true. You think people understand that the lockdown is destroying their buying think, power and transferring their wealth to I, the wealthy I think elites. they're capable of understanding that, yeah. Yes. And so the problem right now is you creating a voting system won't change the fact that people don't understand how they are getting ripped off by crony that's not, fake representatives. I'm not trying to solve the problem of people getting ripped off with the new voting system. There are different problems we're talking about. Then why right did now. you bring it up? Because we need something that's transparent okay, well, when we're talking about, about voting and how to fix people, the system so people like so Sean I'm, can actually run for office so, and win. Right. So, so it, for, instead of you changing the subject, I was talking about the fact that we have universal mail in voting corrupting the system by putting votes into the hands of people who have not been properly informed and educated because the media class is controlled by the Democratic Party. So instead of being told, here's why you should vote for this, if you like, this, this is for you. If you like, this is for you. They're saying this person's a fascist. You have to vote for this. And then regular people who don't care, don't pay attention, who have been inundated for for four years about the evil Cheeto dictator, get a bout in their mailbox and go, yeah, Trump is bad, I guess. Well, I like your idea of taking R&D off, but I don't think you can ever stop, you know, manipulation, um, media manipulation. We just got to roll with that. Well, we the, the problem is we have a corrupt uh, uh, big tech is, is, the, is the main issue. It, if we had an honest, censor-free social media, then people would start to get upset with seeing fake news and then seek out alternatives. You can't do that because Google will ban you. You can't even talk about some of these lawsuits because Google will ban you. Re I mean, we can't even say I can't even say words in a certain sequence for YouTube. <laughs> I know it's hilarious. I mean, well, I mean, and the thing is, is that these are this isn't like just me speculating, like. You know, release the you're, crack. You're involved type. in a lawsuit. I, I, I'm seeing it. I'm involved in a lawsuit. I'm seeing it firsthand. This is not just me. And, and this is not, this is, this is not about me winning an election or Trump winning an election. This is about Democrats and Republicans having faith in the system. And, and you know, Democrats right now, I mean, I, I find it funny when a lot of it, like, you know, establishment Democrats or, well, everybody basically in the state of Pennsylvania, from the governor to the attorney general to the, to the secretary, they all attack me now. But they, they attack me as if I'm a Republican and what I'm doing is that for the benefit of the Republican Party. No, that's not but it true. Works. No, it, that doesn't it, matter. It, it, but the, the, it works. the thing is for me is that I'm actually fighting for Democrats, too, now because they might find themselves on the receiving end of unconstitutional mandates from a from a Republican governor someday that they might not like very much. And it's, so it's, it's the, the, we got to get rid of I, I think we really got to get rid of party lists on ballots. I think that would be a big first step to solving this. If somebody goes in, if, if they get if they get a ballot. They might know Trump is bad, so they might not vote for him, right? But if they get a ballot that says Connor Lamb, Sean Parnell, and they don't know who you are, then what do they vote for? Right now, people are voting on party lines, and that's the problem because you end up, if you do that over a long enough period of time, we just had a transgender Satanist anarchist win the Republican primary in New Hampshire for sheriff because people just saw the Republican and voted for her. And once they found out who they voted for, they freaked out. Like, I can't believe I voted for this. And it was like, <laughs> that's interesting. That's I your fault. I didn't. I, I heard something. I saw something about that. But I, yeah, that's interesting. Yep. So I think we need that getting rid of parties will be a good step because people might just go in. I, I guess the problem there is people might just vote for the first name. You know, they might. And then, you know, whatever's on the ballot. So we have to figure out it's tough. It really is. Well, I don't look. I'll, I'll tell you this. I don't know. I don't know. Solutions to the problem. But um I'm I'm fairly fairly pessimistic to the point where I'm going I can to tell be, you are going to you be are. going to be buying a large <laughs> large property in West Virginia and uh uh you know 
Now, to be completely honest, you know, I don't want to make it sound like we're buying this property in West Virginia because we're, you know, freaking out and fleeing or anything. We're, we're doing it so that we can have ATVs and like film videos and do, you know, skateboard jumps and, and stuff like that. But, uh, I don't want to live in a city. That's true. You know, I don't want to be anywhere near these cities right now because the riots, because the potential for unrest. And I don't know what's going to happen come January well, 6th, but people are going to get angry. Yeah. I think people, look, I, I, I don't disagree that we live at a, a highly divided time. I don't disagree that that maybe there are some some rough times ahead, uh, but I don't think that yeah you know, I'm still going to fight like hell for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and for this country. I'm still going to fight to represent the people. Whether you have a rank as a captain in the military or title of congressman or senator or governor, none of that titles don't matter. Okay, uh, but fighting for this country. And fighting for really our children to make sure that they inherit a country that's rich with opportunity, regardless of their political views, that's worth yeah. fighting for for me. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going to stay in the fight for that reason and that reason alone. Um, right on. And so I I'm not going to run from it. You know, I, I'm like I'm like a week away from painting my face blue and riding a horse on Harrisburg to lift these lockdowns. I'm so <laughs> sick and tired yes. of it because I'm sick and tired of pe seeing people struggle. Yeah, I'm sick. I never thought in my whole life that you'd see food lines in my hometown every single week by the thousands Texas, before Thanksgiving and miles Christmas. Long. It's not okay. The government does not have a right to deny your ability to make a living. Dude, in this technology era where we can where we have access to f vertical farms and electricity almost at will, why is there so much poverty? Why is there so much debt owed to the the private bank, the Federal Reserve? Now, why why? Well, why? The, the the issue of poverty is that it's relative. If you're comparing somebody who makes less than $13,000 a year but has a refrigerator and air conditioning, clean running water, to somebody in like 1900 who was poor, it's dramatically different. That person would be considered very wealthy by that by those standards. The, the saying goes that a, a, a person living in poverty in the United States today has better dental care than Rockefeller did when he was, you know, the richest guy. But they're they're in debt. Well, I would I would I would say I would also say that everything that you said is true. Of course, poverty is relative, but I would also say that many of the people that are in these food lines today were forced into poverty by their government. Yeah. And then many of these people who are in food lines today, because Governor Wolf never never appropriated, took the appropriated funds to invest in our unemployment system, got shunted into the calcified bureaucracy of our unemployment system in the state of Pennsylvania, and were never able to access the unemployment funds for them. So not only were they forced into poverty by our government, uh, in the state of Pennsylvania, they weren't able to access their own benefits because of the government. So now like, many people money. find themselves yeah. in food lines because of the government. Now I'm just opposed to that. I'm, a, I'm, uh -huh. I'm opposed to too much uh, government intervention yeah. in our lives is, is a bad thing. Uh, I think people, if left to their own devices, uh, you know, again, we can protect well, ourselves from COVID and, and we can allow people to make a living. People and, need to be responsible for themselves. But uh, we should we should go to Super Chats. Hey, wait. Before we go to Super... Are you going to yeah. open my gift? I am. Right before we go to Super Chats, right now. Oh, so, I put you on the spot. You don't have to open my... No, 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 no. I was, <laughs> was going to do it right before we started Super Chats. You just beat me to it. Okay. Oh, you guys are on so, the so, so, now, now uh, he talked about this gift ahead of time, and he listed all these cool things that he, I, that, that he thinks it might be, and it was none of those things. And now I'm really worried you that you're not going to like any of these gonna things. It's going to be awesome. So uh, Sean bought, got me a present, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a 5,000 pages... Of a COVID relief bill, and you I didn't, you, I didn't you wrap said, it. Uh, I didn't wrap it. Melanie wrapped it because she's like literally the best rapper ever. Nice so what, you said it's something I asked for. Yes, it's something that you asked for. It's gonna be really awful and embarrassing and get us banned from YouTube. I, I think, no, God, no, no. But it's, it's I, now. I feel like it's gonna be totally underwhelming. Let's see the wrapping. Really <laughs> nice. Sure, it's great. 
But okay. you, it's not an just that's just a box underneath it. So you have to like go. Just, <laughs> just like open the box. It's Christmas, everybody. Yeah. You remind me All of right. Ralphie from the Christmas story. Well, I don't want to. There's, there's not going to be a pink bunny. No, but there's suit. a label on the front. That's no, what just, I'm trying to. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Kind of docks, yeah. Oops. What yeah. is this? Oh, open it up. this is a pretty good present. Open them up. Open <laughs> this up. is a pretty good present we got here. No, this so, is a, uh, maybe a little bit self-serving. Oh, yes, perfect. But here, but here's the deal. These these are all my, these are all my books. And so for the people that are watching, for the people that are watching, you guys didn't even know that I really wrote books before I came he on the show. Does. I don't come onto this program and hawk wow. my product. Dun, what's dun, dun. what's all out war about? Ooh, these are all my books. So, Outlaw but platoon. So, so Tim, it was, Tim it was back a, me up here. Like was, I have oh, never oh, come oh, on oh, the show. I don't on. hawk a product hold on your show. Of course, not. you know that. You bring me a present. You told me to bring it. Yeah, I showed up. I, I come out. You're here, and there's a box. I'm like, oh, and you're like, I got, I got a gift here. I'm like, cool. Uh-huh. And then you're like, it's something you asked for. I'm like, great. It is. And then I'm like, oh, I'll open on the show. And you're like, oh, if you want to. I'm like, all right. This was a very clever move. No, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. You told, you told me. Look, if I wanted, look, if I were gonna hawk my book on, on. I would have brought it the first time. You yep. didn't even know I wrote fiction. Yeah, right? not until I oh, talk I'm about hot. this stuff. So I'm my just, point, I'm just yanking you. You're like the last time I was here. You're like you should bring you should bring your books. Yeah, you man. should bring your books. Oh. And yeah, so I, books. I did. And so, so you got me your books. That's great. Outlaw Platoon is my is my nonfiction book, but oh. these are all my fiction books. And we talk about the left controlling levers of of power and cultural institutions. Well, these books, like uh, One True Patriot, is 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 my latest book, right? And and these books, I write about the threats that that. Like the threats that we face today, right? Yeah. That like so the, in in one true patriot, this massive cyber attack that penetrated all of our government institutions and and the Department of the Army, all five branches of the military, the Office of the President. That ha- I wrote about that happening in one true patriot months ago. Wow. So I try to look at the, like the greatest threats that we face and put them in a story, an accessible story that people can like have fun with, right? Wow. Yeah, wow. And so these are, this, is, this is a franchise of books. The what's fiction a, is a franchise. What's the nonfiction book. one about? And if you like guns and stuff and tech, which I know you do, like there's lots of cool <laughs> guns in, in in the fiction. In the fiction, is that stuff. one about your platoon? Yeah, this is this is this is the book. Uh, Outlaw Platoon Outlaw? came out in 2012. I started writing wow. it in 2007, but that book became like an instant New York Times bestseller. Awesome. It was in 10 wow. countries. I think it just came out in China. Um, it, is it about your platoon? Yeah, it's about my platoon. 400. Were you guys yeah. forced to like disobey orders and become outlaws? or something I've gotten that that question before Uh, but no that's just the name of my platoon but but yeah so like it I was thinking like the power of of Tim's audience is kind of amazing like if if one true patriot or any like can you imagine like if if one true patriot becomes a bestseller and I'm already a best-selling author so I don't don't, I'm not (laughs) saying like this is like a a thing that I need but I think that I would make you a main care. I just put you oh, in the next book. Here. I think I will. Oh, good idea. I, I'll make you the bad guy. Yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll make you whatever you want in, in the next book. You could be, you could be in the alpha program. What's the alpha program? Oh, well the alpha. So the, I, so I kind of created the oh, alpha program. Oh, that's right. That's right. You told me about it last time. Yeah. So like there were all these times in Afghanistan where we get these missions to go after these targets and like, we know exactly where the guy was well, Hey, I'm just, well, let's just Take my platoon over there. Let's get this guy right now. Like, what well, we can get him. I can see him. He's standing right there. But you have to go up through all these layers no. of bureaucracy before you get clearance. By the time you get clearance, he's gone. He's gone. So I said, well, what if we developed a program called the Alpha Program that was not that that didn't have to adhere to any sort of bureaucracy that gave the president a third option between diplomacy and war, right? All out war. And in this case, he'd lean on the alphas. Now there's we we used to have that. 
We used to have that. Yeah, so, back in the day. Like so a long time ago. Yeah. So the the alpha program was was created in the wake of the OSS after World War II. The, there are nine alphas in the alpha program, each each assigned to a different geographic area of the globe, right? And this these books follow Eric Steele, who is the youngest alpha. Part of the program is a, is a, he's he's the president's favorite, and so the president he's like the president's fixer. He sends him into you know really hot situations to fix global problems and so it's sort of like a tom clancy vince flynn blend of of a you know military political thriller and so now you need video games and movies well before yep. i started running for political office that's exactly what i was trying to do out there <laughs> working right. with some of these hollywood producers to to you know make a netflix series and do all this cool sexy stuff um you know writing stories and in fiction is always something i've been passionate about but I did not do this to hawk this product on your show. I hope you know that. I, oh, I, no. I, I, I loathe know. the... I, lo- I didn't even mention the fact that I wrote fiction when I first came here. That's yeah, true. Yeah. He did not. Did well, not. now we'll, we'll, we'll have him chilling and we'll read some You're actually going to read and... them because I'm going to quiz you. Uh, do it. You're not Pro- going to read them. To be honest, probably not. You got to do I'm your book mean, on tape. But but listen, listen. Uh, I'm, I, you know, we had, a, we had Alex <laughs> Jones on the show and he asked me to come on his show and I was like, eh. And people were like, Tim, why won't you just at least lie to people? I'm, I'm not going to do it. Like, I'll tell you right now. The reason why I probably won't read them is because I'm working all the time. Well, I know you work nonstop. Yeah. You're the you're yep. the hardest worker I know. Have you read them? Yep. Done like a book on uh, audiobook? Uh, no, I mean I don't read any of those. Actually, Dude, you got to do audio. I'll probably audiobooks. read this. I'll probably read Platoon for that sure. That looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The the the, the like because this is this the kind of stuff the perspective the the real world stuff for you know fiction and entertainment stuff for the most part I'll play some video games as like in some downtime if I need to like you know get out but this is the kind of thing I'll probably like read at night. Just because it's like actual real world conflict, war and stuff. That's cool. yeah, yeah. That's well, the, that's the important stuff. You asked me to bring them, so I brought them. And it, man, thanks for the book. They were wrapped up. But I I'll tell you this: uh, uh, they will be read absolutely, almost yes. immediately by people here. No, yeah. So, no Man of War is the first one. All Out War is the second. So they one are in order. Okay. Yeah. One true. Uh-huh. You don't have. They're all standalone stories, but have the same character. Okay. I'm working on book four now, which is all about China. And all about uh, the next level virus that that comes like like COVID-19 was really just an economic and political. Well, did you see weapon. Songbird, the movie? No. COVID-22 or whatever. Oh, God. Well, I'm not, God, I don't want, <laughs> so I don't call it COVID because I, if I ever if I ever the word COVID one more time, uh, I'm, I can't. But yeah. well, let's uh, let's read some super chats because we got people who have asked some questions. Mm. All right. Let's see. What's uh, student of history says. The cops aren't Praetorian Guard. Praetorian Guard liked offing the emperor and auctioning the position would be uh, auctioning the position would be more like mercenaries. Pay the gold and they do whatever you ask, regardless of morals. That was the Varangian Guard. That was the Byzantine cadre. Hmm. Let's see. Uh, Talbot Link says, I'm alive today exactly because I disregarded two orders and was proven right while enlisted. All branches have troops that do the same spread around. That's, that's it. That's exactly yeah. that's it. Did you ever encounter a situation where you had to defy orders? No, no, um, no, no. Because Do you know we, anybody who did, or I, yes, yeah. I mean, one of my friends, Dakota Meyer, was awarded the Medal of Honor for it. Whoa, really? What did he what do? Did I've happen? heard of him before. Oh, Dakota Meyer is an amazing guy. I mean, Dakota Meyer. I mean, you read it, just Google him, read his story. He won the Medal of Honor in Afghanistan. What's the gist of it? Well, I mean, he ran in and out of fire. Yeah, uh, he ran in and out of fire to save people's lives. Like. Five or six times. He tells the story order not to do it or whatever. Or like, yeah, yes. They, he was on Jocko Willink's podcast and explains oh, the whole wow. thing. It's insane. Yeah, about going into the he valley. Was on, he was on that podcast. I think I don't know what episode he was. He was like, but I was episode one ninety two. I think he was on before that. But I talk about 
Yeah, Dakota's an amazing guy, but he he got awarded the the Medal of Honor for disobeying orders. And I mean, I for the for the most part, I mean, I had great commanders in Afghanistan and in the field. I was the one issuing commands, you know, as, yeah. as the commander. And so, um, I mean, there 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 were I didn't I didn't encounter any of those situations. Right on. That's good. Wonder Racing LLC says Sean Parnell, one of the last great American politicians, and he puts it in quotes. Left in Western PA and our great state of PA. Keep fighting, Sean. Millions of patriots are behind you. I will. I will keep fighting. I will. You can bank on that. Andrew Lance says, Tim, as a typical Christian voter, all we want from our reps is for them to stop the left at the federal level. We don't want them to invoke intrusive legislation. We want to be left alone from federal government. Your mandatory gun analogy angers me to no end. It's not my analogy. It was actually Michael Malice. And the point was that the, the, the left will impose things, but the right doesn't argue on a right-wing argument's terms. So I'm talking about the, a better example is the lockdown. The Democratic governors shut everything down, destroy the economy. Republican, then, then they'll say, okay, now that we've destroyed everything, you're relying on us and we'll give you a check. Instead of Republicans saying, open everything back up and stop suppressing people's rights, they say, well, hold on, let's give them less money. That's not an argument against what the Democrats have already done. I think a better analogy for the gun thing would be like, you know, Barack Obama says you have to buy health care. Otherwise, you get fined. It's, it's basically, you know, criminal in some, some capacity. Then Republicans should have said, OK, if you want that, then you have to pass this bill that says 2A shall not be infringed, period, in any capacity. Something to defend the rights of people. There's never there's rarely, I should say, arguments from Republicans saying, here's what we are asking for and we want. If, if what you're saying Until is President true, Trump, right? Right. Exactly. I mean, tr- Trump, Trump does so, that. You're saying that uh, people want to be left alone from federal government. Okay, where are the Republicans right now putting bills forward saying the federal government, you know, and, and, and government, the government in general shouldn't be locking down and suppressing people's rights? We just don't have it. We Did you hear that? Well, I heard, you have, I heard you, that. Yeah. You heard have it Betsy. in me. You have it in me. Right. I'm saying it. Yeah. Well, no. So we, we, we have but it. You're with, absolutely we, right. We have it in Trump. Right. And that's why Trump won, because finally absolutely working right. class people and conservatives are tired of getting politicians who all they would do is wag the finger at Democrats and then give them what they want. That's right. That's what did, right. Someone, someone told me Republicans, what do they do? They roll over for Democrats. That's that's what they, they're, they're known for. The establishment Republicans. <laughs> A ghost says, system is broken because people only know how to talk, but not how to act. The First Amendment was written when people believed in things like chivalry. Atlas will still shrug. <laughs> well, de- deeds. Uh, yeah, he's right. Deeds, not words, right? Uh, mm. You know? Yeah. Jack Bailey says... The Bible says that in the last seven years before the rapture, that one of the nations that one of the nations that come about is represented by a lion with eagle's wings and the eagle's wings shall be plucked and the lion will stand as a man with a heart. Really? I'll look into it. Page in PA says, Sean, what are your thoughts on a federal uh, on a federal single subject rule similar to that in Article three, Section three of the PA Constitution? Oh, my God, really? I have no idea. I don't know how to answer that question. What's what's do you know what Article three is? No, I have to look at the PA Constitution. I mean, yeah. I, I am not I feel like I'm failing this this person's <laughs> question. You know, I, I I'm not I am I am not a, an attorney. I rely on attorneys to to advise me on things. And then I develop my own arguments based on that legal advice. But I am a knuckle dragging warrior. I <laughs> I, I, I I'm not a, an attorney and I won't even pretend to be one on your on your on your show. Don't do it. All right. Although I need to you, ready you know it? what? You know what, though? I, I will get an answer for that. I, I will get an answer for that question, and I and Tim, I'll get it to you on your next podcast. So I I, I don't know, uh, but I'll tell I'll tell that 
person who asked who, who asked the question what was the name article three uh uh page from pa- PA? page I, I will get page page in pa yes. page i will get an answer for you i All don't right. know but i will get an answer we for got you. we got we got a comment from someone who really doesn't like you oh, you want to hear it yes it's a big super chat too he's he basically said um pound sign at symbol 1K, you Parnell. So I guess he's saying F you Parnell. <laughs> it's obvious that you are a hack. I hope that your, quote, political career ends up with you humiliated and exposed as the leech that you apparently are. Leech? What am I leeching off of? I don't know. You apparently write books and you're already doing pretty well for yourself. So uh, I get that a lot. Yeah. That's right. I mean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Merry Christmas, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. Wandering Mage says, Tim, could you imagine if entire Republican counties decided to become autonomous zones with the declaration that they would not pay federal taxes to protest the nonsense political decisions? What do you think for a super chat? Um, It's very simple. If any large group of people decides to do something, they instantly win. That's exactly right. Government derives its power from the consent of the governed. Yes. So if every single person in the country just went about their lives like normal, there would not be a lockdown because you'd have you'd have Cuomo being like, why won't anybody do anything? And no one listens to him. If nobody listens to Cuomo, he's just a raving lunatic standing on the street corner screaming about how he's supposed to be in power. If all of these Republican counties said we're autonomous, they would be. And what's the government going to do? Uh, imagine this. Sending I mean, how many Republican troops. counties are there? Like 3,000 or whatever? Because they're less populated than the Democrat tightly packed ones. What, what's what's going to happen? The National Guard going to get deployed? The IRS going to get deployed to all of these different places? I'm not saying it's a, it's, a, it's a good thing. I think breaking up this country or civil war or anything like that would result in the U.S. becoming extremely weakened. And then China is going to be laughing all the way to subverting and destroying the country faster than they already are. So we really, you know, I've heard a lot of people say peaceful divorce. And I get it. Because they don't want violence and stuff. But that means we're already in deep trouble. It's only peaceful if both people want it, too. I don't want that. I I want to preserve this great country. This country is great. And and by the way, like diverse political opinions is also good. Like discourse and debate is also good. Like that guy that said F you to me. Okay, that's great. Um, I don't mind that. I can take it. I put myself out in the public sphere. If people don't like what I have to say, they're they're more than entitled to say that. But the difference is I won't censor them. Because I disagree with them. It's crazy right? how, like, you know, uh, there are a lot of people on the left who insult me for a variety of reasons. It's funny. Um, I get the same. The Young Turks did a segment basically calling me ugly for, like, I don't, for no reason either. I don't, I don't, I don't. That's, that's how that's how they that's how the radical left is. That's, that's what they do. Well, they so just attack. They attack we, you personally. They attack you personal life. We, I mean, we did a segment. Hominem, I think we, we, we did a segment where I was citing there's like five different studies that show conservatives tend to be more attractive than than liberals. And I was pointing out that a feminist explained this to me as a way to describe privilege. Somebody who's been attractive their whole life has had an easier go of things. And they think if it was easy for me, it's easy for you. Not realizing they've had a privilege in their life. The Young Turks decided to run the segment making fun of me and calling me ugly, but then ultimately saying I was correct. It made no sense. But here's, here's the funny thing. The way they made fun of me is the exact same way the, the hardcore Trump supporters make fun of me. The, now, the thing that matters most, I literally don't care. Like I question, I, so I question why the Young Turks would do a weird segment where they agree with me, but then mock me. Like, where's, what are you doing? Trump supporters who are making fun of me and, and, you know, calling me ugly or whatever. It's like, okay, like, what am I going to do about it? Do I, am I supposed to cry? I don't know. What can, I can't do anything about it. Do you it, get so. called ugly often? I don't, I don't see that. I don't think no, you it's, do. No, it, it, it was, it was, the, the, the Young Turks was because specifically because I did a segment you saying just, liberals yeah. were ugly, I guess. Yeah. And so they wanted to make an issue of it. Yeah. But the point, the, the, the ultimate point is. 
why do people care so much about it? You know, it's like you're you're gonna get hate. People are gonna, you know, I I, I go on. I can I, if if I really want to, you know, just make sure I keep my ego in check. All I gotta do is open my Twitter notifications. Yeah, yeah. and it's just a string. <laughs> like, I know. Of, I was like, you read your Twitter, these Twitter notifications are rough. He's like, dude, oh. if I wanted someone to yeah. insult me, I'd hire like a what would you call it, an S and M, someone to come whip you with a yeah. chain or something. That's Twitter. I yeah, know it's 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 All funny. Right. Mike G says to Sean Parnell, great taste, GNR. I'm wearing the same shirt today. <laughs> also, Alex Great Padilla album. became the first Latin rep in CA, and they're applauding this. Meanwhile, Texas had its first rep in 1916. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we got some spicy super chats I can't read, but they're basically saying they, you know, civil war. Oh yeah, I mean they're literally saying it, and that's that. That's the issue I'm saying. Of like, if if conservatives are now spraying down cops with pepper spray, you don't want. Look, it's a quote from Joe Rogan that goes viral. That goes viral all the time. Where he said the guys who actually know what war is like and who experienced it are the ones saying you don't want this. We'll never advocate for it. Exactly, exactly. I, I, and 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 but in this quote he says, and it's these you know it's like basically Antifa. They're screaming and demanding it, and as soon as they open that floodgates, they're going to regret it. Well, yeah, those who those who have seen the horrors of war almost never advocate for it openly. And and by the way, like there, I, I've mentioned this before in your podcast. I, I don't. This nation can be saved, uh, and 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 I I would I would argue that great leadership can pull us out of this thing, you know, um, and so God I I hate to even I hate to even th- it bothers me that people feel so distraught and hopeless that that's right where their minds are right now. But I, I'm here on this program saying don't give up hope, don't lose heart, stay in the fight. Uh, America is worth fighting for, um, and. You know, let's fight yeah. Fight with me. Hell, if you're in Pennsylvania, right stand with me and fight with me. Let's see. Army Chief 2005 says, thank you for having this patriot on your show. Uh, was it third time now? Yeah. I know, man. This yeah. is crazy. And I well, didn't you're even, always welcome to come. And I didn't out. even hawk my book until the third time. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Christmas. It's a perfect time, actually. You know, you guys should check out his book if, if it's the kind of stuff you like. It's a business yeah. tactic. You jab, jab, right hook. So you just jab the couple and times. And if, if your viewers put them. one true patriot on the bestseller list, man... You're going, so cool. it, you're going it. You're going it. Where can they you, buy it? But yeah. how do you do that? How do you get on the bestseller list? Like, oh, oh, like so you sell a lot, right? A couple, a few thousand books. Really? A, that's in it? a week. That's it. That's a lot. I mean, like you know, the problem with fiction, the reason why it's so hard to make the bestseller list in fiction is because you're going up against a guy like Stephen King, yeah. who yeah. has three books at any given time on the bestseller like, list. You know, the twelfth Harry Potter. Or yeah, oh, yeah. Like there. So, so yeah, you've got. So which set, one? One True Patriot. You that's said? the latest one. That's the one that just came out. If this, because I'm working on the next book now. If your audience get, gets that book on, on the bestseller list, I'll put Tim and this entire podcast in the next book. You'll be a main character seen, in all uh, my books moving forward. Have you seen Jack Posobiec's, uh Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I love what he's doing there because, again, it's not just culture, the left. Funny. Yes, yes. Politics is downstream except, from culture. Except I, he, so we brought some comics and I pointed to the art of him holding the gun yeah. with the weird attachment that's some kind of suppressor. <laughs> and he was like, I know, man, like people who, people, people who read this, like they know about guns. And they're probably looking at him. I like, know the people that worked on that. Jack is what Jack is, is great. But the people who, who work and I know that I know the artists who worked on that comic as well. They're total pros like Marvel and DC. It's good comic. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. they're good. Yeah. They're good. Right on. All right. Let's see what we got here. Soul Invictus says, could not disagree more. He says, violence is necessary because others will choose violence. You have no choice but to retaliate. If you have to do something horrible, do it quickly. Don't force others to suffer. Well, I think the important thing there is defense is is acceptable. 
in terms of the, the violence conversation. Protecting yourself from someone who means to do you harm is legally like. I mean, and yeah. I would, and I would even go. I yes, and in Afghanistan, you know, we it was so fascinating about th this topic is that we never would have fired our weapons in Afghanistan unless we were fired. I mean, if we weren't fired on first. The only time we ever shot our weapons is when we were shot at first in Afghanistan. Outside of that, we were driving coloring books to kids and building wells and humanitarian assistance. The problem is we just got ambushed and direct fire Jeez, attacks every time we left. Wow. I, I can I can easily you know disprove this comment on on you know anyone advocating for violence. It's really simple. It's the reason why China isn't sending boats and planes and storming the beaches and attacking. It's why they're using fifth generational warfare because violence isn't effective, especially in the information age. It makes people not like you. They won't listen to you and they'll resist you. The most effective thing you can do is win them over through propaganda and media manipulation. That's yeah. fifth generation money, warfare. Finance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Buy yep. them out. Exactly. It's easier to give someone money than it is to try and force them to do something. You're just like, hey, I'll give you $1,000 if you do it. And people might just be like, okay. But the, but the other thing, too, is when it comes to what's going on with COVID, violence is totally like... Uh, uh, Antithetical? It, no, 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 no. What I want to say is like it would have the opposite intended effect. If everybody who's upset with the COVID lockdown just said, okay, I'll go and open my business, there wouldn't be one. It'd be over. Like, yeah. it's like, this is what I explain to people. When I was little, I'd have a friend and I'd be like, hey, you want to go skate? He'd be like, I can't, I'm grounded. And I would go, okay, do you want to go skate? I can't, I'm grounded. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> my parents told me I can't go outside. And, and I would say this, what would happen if you go outside? He's like, I'll get grounded again. I'm like, oh. And then what happens when they ground you again? And then you go outside again. And he's like, well, they walk well, into your room and they take your TV. They yank it out of the wall. They no, take said, all your he, toys. But right, now the point you're, is, you're comparing the governor of Pennsylvania to parents. No, no. What I'm saying is if the lockdowns are like, if you can't open your business because someone said don't open your business, but you could literally walk into your business and open the door. Then there's no lockdown. If if the kid if, if if my kids are for some reason watching this, <laughs> or or your daughters are for some reason watching this, if you're grounded, well, but you're, if you're point. grounded, you're grounded. Yeah. That's just how well, it so is. I was right. like, nobody's, not nobody's leaving the house. No one's leaving the house. When I was grounded. like 15, Don't and I'm like telling that. my friends, <laughs> the worst thing that's gonna happen is they're gonna keep telling you you can't go outside. But if you're grounded and you can go outside, then grounding you doesn't do anything, does it? If they're telling you you're all locked down, you can't open your business, and everyone says we're going to open our businesses, they can't do. But they can about come it. like audit you and take take Not your everybody. money out of your bank account. Well, if if the individual, they can go after individuals, but if everyone at once does it, exactly, the system changes. That's exactly it. If people just said I'm going to nonviolent civil disobedience, the, the, and I think the reason why people don't, and, and specifically in this regard, is because people want to protect their fellow citizens, right? right? And and. But my, my point is that we can do both responsibly. Yes, we can both we can. open up and protect public, public health. It's possible. Nuke the ice caps, says, and great name, by the way, <laughs> left and right now, now disowning the police. Everybody is absolutely at their breaking point. When we get to this point, we have to ask why. When they will not allow us to ask why, there really isn't a choice. Left is there. Merry Xmas, lady and gentlemen. Merry Christmas. Don't lose faith in the police I have, and I, I stand with them. And again, this is this is a leadership issue. You know, if leaders stood up and said, keep your businesses open, keep your restaurants open, police don't enforce unconstitutional orders, stand with the people, this problem and these lockdowns would be over tomorrow. A lot of people mentioning that right when we started the show, Trump said, F the COVID relief bill. So, so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Did he really say that?
Did he really? Did, no, did he, I don't. Not, not in those. I mean, it really wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, if he had. Cool. Especially at this point. Merry yeah. Christmas. Rita Ho says, "Good job on on pronouncing Fang Fang." Well, yes. it's because we had China uncensored, and yeah. they told us how to pronounce Fang Fang. Everyone says Fang Fang. I think I said Fang Fang. Yeah, it rhymes with. A different word. Yeah, ex- yeah. <laughs> that's why. We yeah, that, that's why it. I went right there. Yeah. <laughs> the civic nationalist says, "From the British Empire to the colonies, Merry Christmas, one and all. God save the Queen." To quote the Joker, "You get what you effing deserve." Should have just paid them taxes. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I object. So here's the joke I made. When you have these uh, these electoral candidates for the Republican Party. Hey, wait a second. He said we get what we deserve. Didn't didn't. Didn't the UK just lock down because of some mutated yeah. street? You're the one missing out on Christmas. Yeah. It's All right. a, and and they're, they're, they think the UK got has, you, UK. They're, they're expecting food shortages. I know it's oh, tragic because yeah, I mean, the borders yeah. are just shut. That's not good. I know it's it's terrible. Yeah, what have they done. But I, here, here's here's what I said when when people you had these uh, Republican electoral candidates. They so they're not the electors, electoral candidates for the Republican side cast procedural votes. So it's on record in the event Trump overturns some elections. And you have the Democrats saying they're not legitimate votes. And I'm like, sure, I understand. In terms of the constitutional process, what the Electoral College is, the votes from these aren't official. And I'm sure when the founding fathers signed the Declaration of Independence, sent it to, you know, to the king, the king looked at it and said, by what authority do any, any of these people have to say they are no, their, their country is independent? They're not because it's our country. And that's, it's it. It's all an issue of confidence. I'm certainly not saying the Republican electors are like declaring independence or anything like that. What I'm saying is if right now everybody woke up and they just said the, gov- the government has no authority, it would have no authority. Now, they could go and try and enforce the law. But if literally like I hear a lot of people saying like tax strikes, like the left talks about this stuff, too. Yeah, if nobody was paying taxes, then there would be no authority. But it's an issue of organizational power and people pay taxes. I think the issue is. You'll hear people say, everyone should stop paying taxes or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but most people in this country don't care. And they're fine with paying taxes. The problem is these lockdowns are destroying the lives of regular people who are on the break, who are at their breaking point. And now this is where we get things get, you know, crazy. That's when you got to be worried about what people are going to start doing. All Bill, of it could end if we just lifted the lifted these these unsigned protect the vulnerable. Yeah, special protections for nursing homes and for people who have uh, you know preexisting conditions and absolutely and, and also direct resources to those programs as well yep. to protect those people from a ninety nine point seven recovery rate percent recovery rate for ninety nine point nine nine survival rate. This is it across every, the entire globe. across every age group. Right. The world, the human world locked down, shut down their businesses for a virus with a 99.99% And what I say, and I I say like if, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to say we should definitely, we should take it seriously. We should protect the vulnerable. I'm not, I got to say it every single time because I'm telling you some leftists will take this out of context and attack me with it later. But, but if this virus were as bad as some are making it out to be, the government would not have to mandate people stay home. It's so often the, so. This one's uh, this one's funny. Uh, have you guys heard about this new signal that came out of Proxima Centauri? Negative. That yeah. was like so. There's something called the Wow signal. It was you know we're scanning the the space and we yeah, got this yeah, weird yeah. radio signal. Well, another one just happened. We got a super chat. The alien radio signal from Proxima Centauri has been decoded. Sixty thousand mail-in votes for Biden. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, it took a few it. weeks to get here. <laughs> Mafu says type six if you're going to D.C. on January sixth. There will Ooh. never be a Biden presidency, he says. You know, uh, have you heard about what's going on January 6th? You know, Alex Jones put out a video where he said 10 million people will descend on D.C. and will occupy D.C. Uh, I don't know what to say to that. I, I don't know anything about that. 
Uh, so the, it's a big protest plan for the day that the, the joint session is going to happen. And I'm, you know, I've had some people hit me up saying they're going to D.C. that I don't think are particularly politically active in that sense. So I wonder if there's going to be I think there's going to be a really massive po- protest in uh, in D.C. on the 6th when the joint session is supposed to happen. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Daniel Maxwell says peace requires that all factions involved desire peace. Violence results when one faction chooses to use force to get their way, and war results when one or more of the remaining factions decides to defend themselves. Interesting. <laughs> yes. XD Interactive says DC was appropriated for government use. It can't be a state by the Constitution, and that is not an amendment. It can't be changed. At worst, they could give it back to Virginia. That's that's the thing. It's the it's the when they say make DC a state, that makes no sense. The, the, the reason why D.C. is federal property is because the federal government operates outside of the states and the founding, the, the founding fathers or at the time the, the, the Federalists didn't want one state to have control over the jurisdiction the federal government operated in. That's I agree. I just separate. I just think that the left doesn't care about the Constitution. The radical left does not care about the oh, Constitution. Of course. Yeah. The Captain Z says Southwestern PA here. Green and Washington wouldn't take this stuff, nor are the count, uh, counties that bear their names. If there is a divorce, do it county by county, not state by state. We have the food, the energy, and the power plants. California actually has a, a, a lot of... <laughs> they also had a const, uh, the, a team working with them, like Ben Franklin, John Adams, and they were writing documents and new new forms of like uh, governance so that they could not just destroy the system, but create yeah. something new. Hmm. I have, a, And actually, a lot of people uh, don't know this. I could be wrong about this, but there was some inspiration from Native American uh, governance because they were, they were, a, a lot of them were tribal. And they had certain voting processes that the Founding Fathers looked at and were like, we can incorporate that somehow. That's interesting. Uh, Eddie Johnson. Oh, we have a correction here. He says it's Mossy Rock, not Mossy Brook. Oh. Went to a restaurant to support them. And they had customers coming from three or four hours away to support them. Wow. Yep. Very good. Mossy Rock, Washington. Interesting. Bernard Kim says, like the idea of obfuscating parties of candidates. But people will just look on Google the party without doing much more research past that. But it's, it's still better than nothing. Yep. Because then you get low information voters going, I don't know. And then they don't vote. And you don't want people like, could you, we can't have people voting based on just party because that doesn't mean anything. It certainly doesn't change much. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Damien Harkett says, Tim, you say we must resist, resist, yet any and all resistance is seen as crazy and extreme. If we're basically being told to our face to die and starve while uh, terrorists on the left run free, what, what, what do we do? Nonviolence and disobedience. People hated the riots. The riots caused a massive drop in support for Black Lives Matter, and the Democrats are freaking out because of it. Mm-hmm. Just showing up and, you know, success, success is the best revenge, I guess they say, right? Patronize your small business. Show up to restaurants yep. and order food. Like, help them help them get by. Help them see this crisis through. Yeah. That's just, just it. Like, Not- help your neighbor. You know, be there for people in their hour of need. All right. Let's see what we got here. Bunch of uh, comments that are saying things I can't read on YouTube, but YouTube allowed them to type it in because they know, meet, they they don't like me. context algorithms don't know context. Skeleton King says, "Sean, when when do we occupy Harrisburg?" Oh, <laughs> I just said I was ready to ride on a horse <laughs> and paint my face blue. I, I, They're ready. I, I know, I know. I, you know, I. Uh, gosh, I'm 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 close to it. I'm I'm almost there. I'm almost there. <laughs> I'm Do almost it. there. Do it and take pictures. Renee Villarreal says, just got all seven of my brothers a copy of Sean's book for Christmas. Oh, snap. Looks like you're going to be a main character in the uh, book real soon, Tim. 
A main character. I mean, I'll brothers. make you the damn villain. I don't care. The villain. Well, you could, you could, be, the villain. Well, you could be in the. You could yeah. be in the alpha program if you want. I mean, you could do whatever you want. Have him be co-opted by Chinese spies, no. but he doesn't know it. I mean, no, you could. No. You could be. You could be an alpha informant. No, it'd have to be like. Uh, uh, what do like you want? A, you want like, to be a spy? Like, no, like maybe, maybe not a spy, but maybe someone who provides like you know intel. Right, so yeah, human source, a human source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like you know, we guys, guys. Oh show. my god, that would totally work with with your with your persona as like a vice reporter. Yeah, a guy who yeah. knows a bunch of people. Oh, no, dude, I already got it. I already got, got a story arc for you. Oh. Already done. I already got it. When you got the questions that need answers to, you got to come on the Tim Castell podcast. Oh, we oh have too man. many people come in and out of this place, you know? I hear secrets. You, uh, you whisper. We exactly. Things, He's part of the yeah. Illuminati now. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That's true. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. I All mean, right. that that would be... <laughs> if, if this audience gets it puts that book on the on the bestseller list, I, I, that would happens. be insane. That Let's would be crazy. You just have a stink bug land on your shirt, I think, Tim. Where? Oh, there he is. Oh, yeah. She's flying around. Uh, they're little clumsy things. are kind of funny. Yeah, I like them. All right, let's see. And repeat says, did Sean just say if the leaders tell the police to not enforce unconstitutional orders? Really? Did the police take an oath to uphold the Constitution or an oath to be mindless order followers? Shaking my head. There's an oath to uh, uphold the Constitution. And many of them are just mindlessly following orders. <laughs> well, what I, I was just saying that, that you know, it, the police have been put in, in very tough positions because... You know, they also part of their oath is to protect and serve, and they and they believe in the middle of a pan in, in the midst of this pandemic that they really are protecting people's lives by keeping them socially distanced. But, I'm trying. They're they're in a tough spot, uh, but 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 I I say always fall back on what is constitutional and what is not like the you the government cannot tell you what you have to wear in your own home the government cannot tell you how many people you can have in your own home the government cannot tell you that you're not allowed to make a living for your family yeah. I mean, the so fall back on the constitution and let it be our guide in times of crisis because that is our shield the constitution protects all of us from authoritarian government overreach democrat yep. republican or, or independent otherwise Jamie Arzola says Tim Pool is the reincarnation of Hunter S. Thompson. I don't think so because he was like crazy on drugs. <laughs> but not in the beginning. <laughs> Who's, the beginning. Who is that? Hunter S. Thompson? This, I don't know who this is. Are you sure? Are you, are you being serious? So, oh, yeah. I know who he is. Of course. He's a writer that no, I don't know who went is. and uh, took a bunch of drugs with his Hell's lawyer, Angels. drove across the country, yeah. did uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas the is the film. He, drugs. Oh. I yeah. didn't know that. But uh, uh, Jamie also says, shout out to the United States Marine Corps. Woo. Semper Fi. There you go. Yeah, he was uh, uh, just because he, there's a Bill Murray movie. I don't know. I, I assumed you probably would have seen it. Fear and Loathing? Yeah. 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 Well, I, yeah, yes. of course I know that. Yes. Johnny yeah, Depp plays Hunter. Hunter. I didn't know that. Well, there you go. There you go. He's a pretty prolific writer. The Dutch master says, I've never been to a protest before, but I am 35 and have been politically active since 16. I'm flying to D.C. from Seattle to participate in the protest. Wow. Oh it's going to get spicy. <laughs> Brandon Tom says, Alpha Project, the pool identity. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Ben Jamin says, Tim, you should, you should live stream the January 6th boots, on the, boots in the ground. I'd love to meet you. So we were actually thinking about do, going to D.C. for the 6th event. And doing the show from the production van or whatever, but the internet's going to be down because there's going to be too many people. That's why we can't do it. Unless we had a satellite dish, but oh. we, we don't have that, so. Let's see. DT Wiz says, where do 10 million protesters use the bat use the restroom? Yeah. And that's the big challenge. You know the answer to that. Titan Tech 90 says, I bought all of his books. Looks like Tim Pool is going to be a main character of a book. Yes. 
Well, specifically, to, to, you uh, need uh, first of all, I was, I, I can't, that would be insane. I, I mean, I didn't even. That people are actually going to buy your book? Well, of course I'll buy your book. Well, no, <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's very, very difficult to get a fiction book on the bestseller list, and, and but it it's amazing. Your audience is 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 awesome. I mean, all right on, yeah, good compliment from Sean Parnell to all you guys watching it. I mean, seriously, here. every time I come on the show, I mean, yeah, I hear from hundreds of people who watch you, and I th- I think what's what's interesting, Tim, is that like in this in in times of sort of universal deceit, people seek truth and have a craving for truth and i think your show is is one of the shows that they turn to in this time and and so see, i i, I got to point out again when alex was on the show and he said i want you to come on my show and i was like and eh, i'm probably not going to do it people were like <laughs> they expected me to be polite and just Does lie alex and, still have a show yeah yeah yeah. Band. I mean, video he's doing really well with it actually what, uh, he has his yeah, own his new website his own so I, like i checked I out Bandot video a while ago it's where he has his own he basically cloned youtube and he gets good. He gets a good viewership. I mean, the, the dude clearly is still doing well for himself. Yeah, but I, I wasn't trying to, really, I'm not trying to. I don't really know anything. I, I haven't ever watched any of his uh, any of his but, stuff. But yeah, I mean, to be honest, I've only seen a lot of the clips. But I've only seen him driving through an MRAP screaming out of a yeah. megaphone. That's literally like all I know from <laughs> Alex Jones. The, the point was, uh, the point is, I'm not trying to be mean to him by saying like, I don't know, I probably won't do it because I, I work nonstop. You, so when you say like, are you gonna read my books? I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I could. I, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> well, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. Because, I try to be mean, though. I, I, I mean, I but get I'll read this one for sure. Like, definitely that that one really, you know, is intriguing. I mean, I don't, I don't take offense to it at all. Like mo- most, you know, I it's like I, I love reading. I've read. We have, we have probably like two. Th- how many books we probably like a thousand? Two yeah, thousand? easy. Yeah, people send us books like crazy, and, and the best them. part is we get a lot of manifestos. Mm. So I have a PO box at uh, uh, timcast.com/slash/donate, <laughs> and we get manifestos all the time and i feel kind of bad this this bodes well for a a a character in a fiction book oh my (laughs) god my mind is already like going crazy some of them are crazy i got one that was probably like 300 pages once and i'm like i could never read this i like you know could you imagine if you get a manifesto in this story and the and, and the manifesto is actually like the diary of a guy involved in some crazy, crazy terrorist yeah. plot that all of a sudden now the alpha program has to step that in. That implicates certain government individuals that yes. are infiltrated by the CCP. Yes. And I know. So- see, you're already there. I can tell. <laughs> you're already with it. All right. Let's see. Let's do, uh, let's do a couple more Super Chats here. Nathan Nat says, in response to the Marine shout out. Ra. There you go. There you go. Semper Fi. Robo Cheez-It says, hey, Tim, love the show. Robo Cheez-Its. Love it. I love Cheez-Its. Please, they're, they're just delightful. Yeah, robots. All right, he says, please add when you when you live on different time zones. So when you're live on different time zones, so people like me who move a lot could find it easier. And would also love to listen live. It is 8 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. Sean Hollywood says Trump to compel SCOTUS to intervene. How? Mike Pence to ignore contested state. This will trigger House to elect Trump. Biden will go to SCOTUS to contest. Cases will be re- reviewed on merit. I don't think. I think there's no political willpower. Like you have, tr- you have three Trump appointees who are just like. Eh, Can I tell it. you? I, I, look, I've got to be careful because I've got a case in front of the Supreme Court now, um, and I uh, I want to go into this saying that I, I absolutely respect the the justices on that court and whatever verdict they would come to in my case, Tim. But I do think that the Supreme Court is also an inherently political body, yep. and I do think that part of the, some of the justices are making the calculation. And again, I, I I'm just it's just speculation i can't stress that enough that they're saying they want to be able to turn around to a biden administration and say look like we did we we didn't rule on this stuff there's no need to pack the institution of the supreme court yeah oh my god 
they think they're they well think, i mean they're trying to preserve the institution they're, what they're doing is they're saying elections are every four years but the institution of the supreme court is sacrosanct so they basically think they're gonna that, that even if they did rule in favor of trump they'd still lose so their best bet is to you know play politics beg beg to biden not to or the democrats not to disrupt the court wow we need a robot to be the supreme I, I, court i think it's I re I, I i also think that if you're a justice i think that that's probably i think that that's reasonable I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not saying I, I want them to take up my case on the merits. I think it's a strong case. I think Act 7, what violates the state constitution violates the federal constitution. The federal government delegates powers to the states to conduct yeah. elections as long as the states run elections in accordance with their state constitution. That did not happen on a number of different levels in the state of Pennsylvania. The case is strong. The Supreme Court should take it up. Um, but it's, it's an explosive case. There's a constitutional crisis, but also let's not forget that the Supreme Court is an inherently political body. And, and bureaucracies in general protect themselves, you know, and, wow. and I think the justices are seeking to protect the institution of the Supreme Court. I mean, that, that has to be part of their calculus. Yeah. Well, Sean, thanks for coming and hanging out. Oh, absolutely. And Merry man. Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas to you guys, too. Thanks for having me. Do we have to usual. say happy holidays? Uh, Merry, no. Merry Christmas. <laughs> sure. No, we don't. Merry, <laughs> Merry Christmas. Christmas. Monica, what else is there this time Kwanzaa. of year? Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa, uh. yeah. <laughs> Happy holidays to you and yours. Yeah. Happy holidays. Yeah. Happy Merry, Christmas, Merry Christmas. Everybody. Merry Christmas. Yes. Thanks for having me again. I, I, you know, I, I, I know people who don't celebrate Christmas who are like when I was younger, they're like, I don't understand why they even say happy holidays. Like, who cares? Like, Merry Christmas, whatever. It's <laughs> what Christmas. would Jesus do if yeah. he was around today Merry with the Christmas. internet? Merry Christmas. Something Merry like this. Christmas. Make a show. My Talking about Christ, right? Make sure to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Parlor at TimCast. My other YouTube channels can be found at YouTube.com slash TimCast and YouTube.com slash TimCastNews. We do the show live Monday through Friday at 8 p.m., so make sure you come hang out tomorrow because we have people coming to hang out tomorrow. And uh, also, we're going to – we're gonna uh, if you guys want to, get Sean Parnell's book, One True Patriot is the right one, right? That's the new one, yeah. One True Patriot on the bestseller list. You only need to sell, what, a few thousand? I think, it, I think a few thousand copies gets you on the list. I mean, it's – it's. I know you say only, but that's really that's really difficult. Well, because I, I hear stories about like five hundred thousand copies sold or whatever. Well, I mean, if you want to make number one on the fiction list, you got to sell five hundred. I mean, some it, it depends on who's on yeah. the list. I mean, sometimes it's five thousand copies, sometimes it's ten. Uh, but I think five six thousand copies gives you a good shot to get but, on the uh, list. But Sean Parnell himself is one true patriot, and he's got a book. Well, I thank you. I see what you did there, Tim, <laughs> I like and I like it. I love it. Uh, do you want to mention your social media or anything? Oh, yeah. Like I'm at Sean Parnell USA on Twitter and on Parler, and you can follow me on, on Facebook and, and he, Instagram and, as and he, well. And he very, very conveniently got me all of these books for Christmas just to you open up. You asked for them, Tim. You asked for <laughs> them. Sure let's, not, let's not leave that out for your audience. You yeah, asked correct. for them. You said, no, for sure bring I them did. down, dude. Sign yeah, them. And definitely. they're signed. Oh, they're signed. Ooh. Excellent. Where uh, is the best place to buy them? Oh, you can get them anywhere books are sold. I mean, and there are audiobooks out there as well. I mean, um, I mean, it, it's Ooh. it's really kind of cool to be able to write uh, <laughs> a franchise. Worth money. Yeah, well, when this makes the best sellers, I'm going to be like, what, I'm going to find them on First eBay edition. tomorrow <laughs> under Tim Pool's eBay profile. No. Right on, right on. Uh, anything else you want to promote? And we'll. No, oh, man, yeah. I, 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 I really do appreciate as, as you, as usual, Tim. Like you're great to me, and and you get. Oh, I love, love, I love you coming on, on the show. I love talking about this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, cool. I loved the opening conversation about your military service too, because you know, getting into that's cool, and that's why I'll, I definitely will start reading Outlaw Platoon. Because this, this to me is like you know I've been in uh, civil unrest and civil conflict. Like I don't whatever you'd call a revolution in Egypt was like the the peak of the craziness, but. uh 
you know, so reading this and reading more about the actual yeah, full that, blown that, conflict is that you know, book is is not it's it's a studiously nonpartisan book. It's just about close infantry combat and a year and a half of it. Yeah. The media really fed us like a kind of a storybook, not like, hey, no violence really even happened during the war. We just went oh. in and made sure everyone was safe. It's not. It's it's funny that you say that because when we went into Afghanistan, I mean, we thought we were going into a stability and support operation, and it we could not war. have been more wrong. Yeah. It was intense close infantry combat for 16 months and it's all in that book smash that like button everybody there subscribe share yeah smash the well, like we have button a, we have a That's graphic right. now Thank so we don't have you to need say to get much. reverb with it smash the like button <laughs> button button yes. button button uh you can also follow uh ian He's yes fine. follow me guys at ian crossland i want to give a special shout out to jesus christ because uh we were talking a lot about christmas named after him christ you know the, the anointed one he may not be the only prophet but uh he spoke the truth to power if he'd been a little smarter or maybe had better technology, they might not have found him and cut his head he off. Got or sold whatever. out, bro. Yeah, his buddy sold, sold him out. He yeah. relied. Thirty pieces of silver. But let's yeah. see what if, if we Brutal. could live like Jesus and do it right this time. And how many? And we and and I'll say this: I'll be I'll, I'll I'll be controversial, especially with you here. Oh no! To the police officers who are being told to enforce unconstitutional or even outright illegal uh, 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 edict in exchange for thirty pieces of silver, mm. you must reject it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can also follow uh, Sour Patch Lids. You can Sour Patch Lids L I D S. I do. I do. She's a good follow. Oh, thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Spicy memes, me. interesting yeah, takes. Right on. Yes, the best. We will be back tomorrow. So make sure you smash that like button on your way out. And thanks for hanging, out, everybody. We will. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow at eight p.m. Bye, guys.